A world in ruins and brothers betrayed. The vengeful spirit has finally left the orbit of Istvan III. Countless brother Astartes lay cold in the ground, betrayed by their own gene fathers. Whatever has possessed the minds of these four sons of the Emperor, we may never know. However, reports abound of a ship under fire jumping into the warp away from the fleet may yet be a herald of light in these darkest of times. Stay tuned, brothers. Radio Free Istvan will continue to broadcast updates on the movements of the Trader Warmaster. And remember, the Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? And welcome to episode 52 of the Radio Free Istvan podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. And my name is Michael, and I have my co-host Ryan here. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? And uh, this episode is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. (laughs) 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 Just want to say thank you to all you lovely Patreon subscribers that are watching in the live stream right now. And uh, just want to say thank you for supporting us. So, anyway, episode 52, man, here we are. It's going to be a good episode. Of course, we're going to be discussing uh, this. We're we're recording right now on a Saturday, so we all got a little, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess our, you know, Facebook page kind of blew up a little bit. Our messages kind of blew up a little bit because Games Workshop decided to have, like, a little baby FAQ about their 8th edition transition, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, then we're going to go over some hobby progress. We got a whole bunch of voicemails. A 2,000-point Solar Auxilla list. A 3,000-point Coils of the High. 2,500. 2,500-point 2500 Solar Auxilla. Okay, so a 2,500-point yep. Solar Auxilla list. A 3,000-point Coils of the Hydra list, a 2,500-point Militia and Zinch Demons list, and then some events we're going to shout out. So I guess let's just let's just kick it off, right? And Ryan, why don't you let us know what what happened today? Something something crazy happened. We had to get a little. I think a whole bunch of people got a little email. Yeah. So I woke up this morning. I stayed up. Uh, really late last night and was doing uh hobby stuff i built some um i built a few dark age models built a few uh battle tech models and then was reading a little bit of the uh dark age fluff so i stayed up kind of late and then um something oh and then i remember something i had to do for my may 13th event is like paint a piece of terrain or something. So I painted a piece of terrain. So it was like three little past three in the morning before I went to bed. So I went to sleep. So obviously I was sleeping in today and, um, I woke up and my phone had like exploded. Like I was telling Michael on messenger where it tells you like how many different message streams you're being contacted by and has a little bubble next to it and has a number. Might've never been above four because I'm not like super, popular i'm not like fucking tom cruise or anybody but it was like at, it was like at a it was like at 11 and then it was like missed like um 
you know, emails or whatever was like at like a bunch, like over 20 or some shit. And then like, if you go to Facebook right now, all the 30 K sites, like if I go to my groups and it has the same little bubbles and it's like new, you know, new threads in that group, they're like all above 20. So games workshop release, like all the, you know, news about what, what's going on with 40 K about like how all the codexes are going away and they're going to put their rules for free online and they're going to change over this new edition. But amongst all that, they, in, as far as I know, it's like the first time that Games Workshop slash Forge World has actually acknowledged that 30K is a separate fucking thing and needs to be treated separately or at least like given, given thought that, hey, what we're doing over here may affect this in a way that we're not anticipated because we're a different design team. So we at least need to give them time to either consider how they're going to adapt it, and even if they're going to adapt it at all, or if they're going to stick with 7th or whatever. Um, because obviously in the past, with like the L FAQ, the Meltabomb thing is the biggest example of that, but the FAQ in general, and then like Death from the Skies and crap like that, they would just like put out a product, and it was like a blanket thing. Like you had this design team that doesn't really work on 30K, would just release some shit, you know what I mean? And because it like changed the core rules that obviously affected 30k but they did it in a way where it was almost like they gave zero consideration that it was a different game and this time in their little email thing it's like they acknowledged that they are different things which is the first time that i'm aware that they've done that yep absolutely i feel like maybe you sleep a little better tonight like just a little oh yeah i, I feel better i feel better <laughs> <laughs> like, did you, like, hear that, and then, like, the next time you took a shit, it was just, like, amazing. You are just like, man, I feel cleansed. I feel great. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've shit since hearing the news. I'll let you know. <laughs> if you could just keep us all updated, because we're all worried about your bowel movements. And <laughs> if... Well, that's quite understandable. <laughs> so... When it comes out, I'll, like, I'll try to move my hips where I leave the little DQ curl. On the end, <laughs> and then send you a picture of it. The soft serve curl. <laughs> no picture needed. I trust you. I trust, <laughs> I trust you'll do it. This peanut I ate two days ago because you can draw pictures on your little fucking messenger now. You just click the little like the little add-on, the new Facebook add-ons where you can like circle shit. Yeah, peanut. I'll draw a little circle. <laughs> peanut. There it is. Did you miss it? <laughs> this is Mister Peanut. Don't worry, I circled it for you. <laughs> So, yeah, man, it was, like, totally, I mean, for one, for starters, I feel really bad for the 40K players right now who are basically, like, there is so much doom and gloom going on right now, like, setting fire and just losing their minds right now. Uh, but I am glad that there's some sort of thought put into it. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, William put it the best way when he said, like, uh, don't worry, you know, 30K, the guys at Forge World will also take a chance at updating the rules later whenever they get their advanced copy of the rule book after they've paid for it, just like we all have to pay for it. Or, like, you know, it's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, like, straight up, just like, they pay for it just like the rest of us do. <laughs> like, they're completely treated, not even treated like Games Workshop employees. So Yeah. Well, like I've always said, it's just, 
it's it's just kind of weird to me that you're talking like two different departments and they got two different design teams and one is designing one game and even though the other game is a spinoff and uses the core rules they still like it's not like the forge world guys like when they're writing their rules they're writing them from the perspective that these are the core rules right yeah so it's not like it doesn't seem like they're ever like kept in the loop at least to me it doesn't seem like that like when you look at like the melt bomb thing or like how they'll release a book and then it seems like you know like then games workshop will do some shit that immediately like changes what they've done or invalidates it or whatever it's not so much in 30k because it's been fairly stable with 7th but if you actually like think about the imperial armor books for 40k they like they literally will put an imperial armor book out which is still an expensive book. It's like almost as expensive as a black book. They're like a hundred dollars. And then they'll come out with like all these new formation things or whatever. And it like the whole army list that they just put out in the new Imperial armor book just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And then they'll like release some FAQ that updates it. And then the 40 K design. So you'll change it again. And if you notice they haven't released an Imperial armor book in like fucking forever or updates like forge world is just like given up on it. It's like we're just tired of chasing our tail. Like every time we change the fucking, I don't know how many incarnations of the Elysian drop troop list there's been. Like eighty. Yeah. I don't even know. It was like D ninety nine. You don't have all the different Elysians, and then oh yeah, every time they make it, then Gaze Workshop just changes something that like makes it fucking screwy, where it doesn't work. Or, like, some rule needs clarified, or they have to rewrite it, or the fucking codex changes, and, like, the points are, like, way off. Like, a fucking Valkyrie's, like, 190 points. Or in- yeah, I always, I always thought it was yeah. funny how, like, the uh, uh, the Elysians, like, they were like, okay, we have Elysians now. I know that y'all don't have flyer rules, so we're going to go ahead and make flyer rules. And then, like, immediately, like, Games Workshop comes back. It's like, oh, we have flyer rules now. They're nothing like y'all's. And it's like, okay, cool, well... You know, here's our Valkyrie model, and they're like, "Oh, we have whole points now. That's not going to work." <laughs> like, they're just like, "Fuck me, man!" Like, can my armor? Yeah, just and then work? The, the armor, the armor was different on the GW one than it was on the Forge World one, and the points were vastly different because the Forge World flyers originally it was like 200 fucking points for a Valkyrie that was armor 10 or whatever, and then it had like the, I know you guys don't like you don't play BattleTech, but it had like the rules where it was almost like BattleTech aerospace fighter strafing runs where you choose a point on the board, then you choose another point on the board, and it moves. And then when you get to the shooting phase, you actually get to make an attack against anything that you had passed over, like to represent it, like firing as it yeah. moves. Yeah. And they did all that, and then 40K redesigned it where it actually just like moved and fired like a normal model, and they, you know, did all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, man. There's there's never been like a a healthy time for the Forge World design team to just like have a just have a normal book out for a while. No, and see, I I wanted to read this. I posted this on the Eye of Horus. Um, people can't see this. It's in the Mournival page. So there's there's not that many Mournival members. So I wanted to read out what I said here. I said. This is after it had come out, and people were kind of discussing what they thought about either Forge World sticking with current rules or writing their own, or whether they were going to move to 8th. What just happened? 
cancel. So I just said, I just want the Forge World team in control of their own game without any outside meddling. If the Forge World team wants to do their own rules, I would welcome that. It's just silly to me that someone working on a totally different product can alter your product. Why have different departments if one just puppets the other? Um, I'm also personally not a fan at all of the current 40K team. They wrote all the current 40K codexes and Age of Sigmar, which are both things that I don't personally like. Why would I personally want them to be writing the 30K rules? And then I went and then on our um, RFI page to a different person, I kind of like basically was saying something similar. But then I added, I said, I also want to point out that I find it funny that 30K is growing. Like, I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Like every 30K event gets bigger every year and the community keeps getting bigger. And how many new players do you see added all the time? Yeah, right. It's just scaling up, dude. So, it's just scaling. So up. I keep hearing that. Well, the the like people that argue that they want the rules to change, they're like the rules are bloated. Um, it needs to do this so that we can get new people and it's more inclusive and all this. And I'm like, if that was a problem, then why does it keep growing? You can't argue that it's not growing, right? Right. So I mean that that argument to me makes no sense. So I said. I find it funny that 30K is growing while 40K seems to be shrinking. But GW and their infinite wisdom apparently wants to shit on the successful guys and continue to hand the reins to the guys who wrote all the current 40K codexes that chased everybody off. So does that make sense? It's like you got this design team over at 40K but that's doing whatever they're doing to 40K, which seems to be making everybody leave 40K. And then you got all these new people joining 30k so i guess what i'm saying is because both use the same core rules it's obviously not the core rules that are driving people off and the only difference would be that 30k has kind of stuck more with like the six edition format where not everything scores um there's no formations shit like that and then 40k added in all these formations everything scores all this other shit so if you're looking at the only difference and one shrinking and one growing then to me the difference is more the codex writing than the fucking rule set. Yeah, I mean it. That's the only variable. No, but then that, I was like, yeah, that's very true. So, hang on, there was something else. So, it, so basically, it just seems weird to me that they continue to basically, like I said, they're. <laughs> They're basically putting faith in the like 30k is growing while 40k is shrinking, but then they want to make blanket changes to 40k that then pushes over into 30k. So I was like, now that I think about it, if one department is going to puppet the other and call the shots, maybe it should be the other way around, and GW mainstream should just be forced to accept the 30k rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like just <laughs> the old switcheroo. It's like. I guess I look at it like the simplest I can break it down in my head is that fucking 40K is Pepsi and 30K is Coke. And somehow Pepsi has all the money, even though Coke's more popular, but Pepsi's bought out Coke, but now they're just making Coke into Pepsi, even though it obviously seems to be the more fucking popular, well-liked product. Doesn't make any sense to me. No. It doesn't. Yeah. We've had this discussion before. It was the exact same discussion. 
about even with even using the Coke and Pepsi dialogue, like yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. So anyway, like I I honestly I mean I still have 40k armies and I mean 40k is the game that got me into you know games workshop games. If it wasn't for 40k, 30k wouldn't exist. So I wish all the best for 40k. Like I even like I still believe like from a core rule standpoint, I think that 7th and I've played since 2nd edition. 7th edition is my favorite edition of the rules. It's definitely not perfect. Like I don't like the psychic phase. This right, is talking right, about yeah. just the core the from 40k. So I don't like the psychic phase and I don't like the allies chart and the way allies work in 40k and I didn't like that or I originally liked that everything scored and then the more that I played it I realized that that's one of the big problems in 40k that everything scores. Because when you just make everything scoring it, that's a big balancing factor in 30k where you got things like um jet bikes for example in a list that doesn't get jet bikes as troops yeah they're an expensive unit and they're extremely good and like jet bikes are we've talked about it like my little triangle thing they move super fast they're super fucking hard to kill and they have super high offensive output so the only reason that you wouldn't spam them out is because they don't score exactly That's really it in 40k there isn't any of that it's, well, my fucking Riptide scores, and it's better than anything else in this codex, even though it's not troops. So let's take my two minimum fucking five-man Fire Warrior squads and then just take as many Riptides as I can take or as many storm. And that's why you see these bullshit 40K lists. And then to go a step further, when they added formations in the mix where you can take a formation that's literally just nothing but Riptides and that counts as a detachment, and then you can have infinite detachments. So you can just say... I'm going to take three of this formation. So it's like three Riptides, three Riptides, three Riptides. That's my army. And be, and then it all scores because every model scores. It just seems ridiculous. Where it's, if they yeah. only had troops score or things with implacable advance, I guess you could still kind of do that with the formations and all that because that's a whole separate problem. But you wouldn't ever be able to win an objective game, which is what most of the missions are. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So, anyway, there's there's definitely some small things in seventh that are bad, but overall, like when I when seventh first came out, before basically the book that I think really basically pushed the boulder over the hill, and then it started rolling and picking up speed and fucking killing like all veteran gamers before it, me included, and chased us out of the hobby. The fucking boulder from Indiana Jones yeah. was the champions of Fenris space wolf book. When I think back on that, I didn't quit at that exact time, but I remember when that book came out and I read it and was like, this isn't good. I hope there's no more books like this. And then every book after that just progressively got worse and it devolved into a total shit show and is chased at least locally chased. Um, I'll just be conservative and say half half of the 40k community out of the game or at least where they maybe still play 40k but they just play it like with one or two other people and they like set their own rules where it's like we're not going to play allies we're not going to play formations and we're just going to play for fun in my basement we're not going to go to events we're not you know what i mean like that type of thing and then a lot of other people just quit outright and went in to play other games or whatever 
Yeah, it sounds like that's what Games Workshop is trying to, like, ring back. Like, ring out those formations, ring out those detachments. Like, everything that made the game bad, they're trying to, I guess, you know, just but what But what I'm getting at is 7th edition isn't the problem, though. It's not yeah. the core rules that's the problem. It's the codexes that are the problem. And that's That's what it sounds like they got rid of, was all the codexes, so... I'd be interested in seeing how far the rules are different from the core 7th edition rules. It, it sounds like they just got rid of the codexes, so we're going to have to see. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have to, the way I understood it, I mean, my guess is they're literally going to redo because um I, I know this is going to sound very Alex Jonesy, and I've like even myself, I've already been making fun of people on the internet today because there's like three or four separate people I know. I don't know them personally, but I know of them that have like come out. Well, I have an advanced copy of the rules, or I know a guy and they're fucking spew, and I know for a fact that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So it's going to sound hypocritical for me to say I know a guy, but I really honestly do know a guy. <laughs> this isn't bullshit. And, uh, he didn't give me super detail. This isn't super detailed information, but the whole, uh, like arm, like modifiers, like the shit, like to hit and armor, say modifiers. Right. Like that's a thing. Like that's going to be a thing. I don't know to what extent, but that's like so they are going to alter the core rules. It's not, you know what I mean. It's going to be. I don't know how departed beyond that it's going to be beyond seventh, but it is going to be. I mean, just that alone is going to drastically change how things play. That's crazy. Maybe they'll they'll forget all about Horus Heresy. Like maybe they'll just keep putting the rules update on the back burner. And then it'll just forever be seventh edition. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I heard I talked to my guy at Adepticon, and he doesn't work for Games Workshop, but he is in weekly contact with someone that works there in a fairly high up position. And he was telling me parts of conversation that they had. Like this guy told me this, and I replied this, and this and that. And he didn't get like super in depth with it. He was just kind of telling me, and I know that that was definitely on the table was the modifier thing. So this was like a conversation that he had had, like maybe a month before Adepticon with this guy. So I mean, I would think at that point it would like it would be too late. Like the book is probably already on its way to print or whatever. If you know if he because you're talking that would have been two months ago. I seriously doubt they could have changed anything, you know, from that conversation timeline wise. Mm. But I mean, maybe they could have, but I would imagine that if that was true of them having that conversation two months ago, that that actually is a thing. Well, I mean, that sounds like a pretty reliable little source there, buddy. So, and that's two month old information and here it is coming to fruition. So, Think, well, I mean, uh, I don't. It's not to fruition yet. I mean, we haven't seen the eighth ed rules. I mean, we won't know that it's to fruition until we the book comes out and there is modifiers in it. But I know that that's been a rumor going around other places too. And this guy that I talked to, he had told me about 
fantasy before we even knew Age of Sigmar was a thing. He had told me that fantasy is drastically changing and going to round bases and shit literally like a year and a half before Age of Sigmar came out. Like he told me all that before they even started doing the end time stuff. That's how early he knew it. Dang, so are they like clamping the down down on the lid extra hard with this change? Like cuz there's I don't know about cold. that. I don't even know. I mean, I'm talking to essentially a middleman. Like I don't know his source. I don't know how highly he's placed in Games Workshop or whatever. I don't ask. Cuz I don't to be honest, I'm not even like a really huge rumor guy. Um I mean, obviously things get leaked and it's like, I don't seek it out, I guess. So, I mean, sometimes it's almost impossible, especially now that I do this podcast and I talk to so many people, you know, like it's just, you constantly get, get bombarded with stuff. And like, even my friends here, and I know people probably on the internet and people get sick of me talking about it on the podcast. And I know people probably get sick of me talking about it in chat groups, but the problem is they don't understand like when they're not as plugged in, like if you're just random 30K player A, somebody might bring up the 8th edition rumor. You know, if you don't get on Facebook and actually look for it, you know, it may only come up like once a week or whatever. I'm being constantly bombarded with this. Hey, have you seen this? You know, 100 people messaging me, emails I have to answer. We do this show, it comes up. You know, I'm in the podcast chat group. They're talking about it. it so, like, to me, it's a negative thing. So I'm, in my opinion, I guess for, for me personally, it's almost like just being bombarded in the face with this negative thing that I would really like to avoid because it's like a reality that I don't really want to face. <laughs> so if I get a bad attitude about something like that or whatever, or you get sick of me fucking getting preachy, like it's not really like it's not like I want to do it. It's just like I kind of get compelled to do it or I get defensive about it like because it's like you just get sick of it you know what I mean it's just like fuck like we have to talk about this again you know what I mean and then I feel like a lot of people we kind of had this discussion in our patron chat like a lot of these people chiming in on it they're like primarily play 40k and they've played 30k for like a month and then they have like some type of opinion they think I'm like, well, you've played 30K for a month, sir. You don't even own the books yet. And you've not been to an event, and you've played three games. Like, no offense, but I really don't need your opinion. I just don't. <laughs> and, you know, I was told that that's elitist or whatever. I don't really think that's elitist. It's just like, I don't know. It's like any more in the information age because it's like you can just get on Facebook or YouTube or whatever and just do and say whatever you want. And you, it's not like you're vetted or anything. Like you can just say and do whatever. It's kind of like you need to have a personal filter in your brain to recognize maybe um, I should step back and just let these other people talk about this and maybe I should just listen or maybe I should do more research before I chime in. Like I wouldn't go to like sign up for Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes and go one day and then the next time I go to class, get in an argument with like the black belt instructor and a bunch of brown belts about a technique. You know what I mean? Like I would try to recognize that maybe these guys know what I talk about and I could just like kind of let them talk about it. Right. But that, I mean, that's a personal philosophy. I guess like everybody doesn't have to adhere to that, but 
it just makes things so fucking chaotic and crazy and it's hard to filter through shit and then people get mad and then you know i don't know the fucking internet's just crazy it's kind of funny people were weird i'm kind of rambling now but it's just <laughs> it's just funny but i feel like i like i guess normal people could walk away from that and i don't really feel like i could like i'm too plugged in like because of doing this show and because i run events and just the people i know and all the people I have friended in the 30k community, like I literally can't do anything without being exposed to that. So right. at times it can be maddening. That's what I'm getting at. So try to like, I don't know people. If people get frustrated with me, just like stop and think about it from my point of view, I guess. Yeah. You live it. You live it every day, every day, every day. It always comes up in the chat. It's always in one of the chats, the mini chats. So, we get, you know, questions on our Facebook, our Facebook page. We get questions all the time, and, and there's not really anything that you can do to avoid it. So, yeah. But at least there's some sort of like, you know, some sort of light at the end of, end of this tunnel right now. Like it, it, it seems like we're getting closer, and it does seem like you may get what you want out of this and have the 30k rule set be completely different from the eighth edition rule set. Yeah, I just want them, and we don't even know what 8th, like 8th may be a good game. I don't know, you know what I mean? I just want, I just don't want, whether it's good or bad, like we talked about this, it's not, it's kind of irrelevant. I just don't want some other design team that doesn't think about 30K. They shouldn't think about 30K. They're the 40K design team. It's not their job to think about how, well, um, this would make our game way better, but it's going to fuck over this 30K game that we don't design, think about, or write rules for. Like, they're not going to do that. They're just going to implement it because it makes their, you know, it. they feel that it, it's a change that they want to make to their game. The problem is when they do shit like that, it's this blanket application that then affects this other game that may affect it in a negative way. And I just don't see where in the past where they've ever thought that through or even considered it. And I and that's for that goes for all Forge World products, like even the Imperial Armor stuff, like we were talking about. So I, I'm like, if it just doesn't make any sense, if you're gonna have two separate departments, um, and they're truly gonna be two separate departments, then fucking make them two separate departments. Like, so if if thirty, it would, I just want the thirty k game to be in the hands of the thirty k guys. And if 8th comes out and it's good and they look at it, can study it, and they can implement it in a way that keeps the 30K community happy, doesn't piss a bunch of people off and ruin shit, then, you know, I'm all for it. It looks like we're on that path, dude. Like, as of today, it looks like that is the path we're going on. Right, right. And, And that's why I said when we started this, it's the first time that Games Workshop Maine has seemed to me seems like it actually recognizes 30k as like, oh, this is its own little fucking separate community. Maybe we should quit fucking with it. And let them decide their own course of action. Yeah. Only time will tell at this point, really. That's all we got. Just gotta wait. Pretty close, though. What, two months, maybe? March, April, yeah. May, June. Yeah, two months. It's almost here. But, I don't know. I mean, for the 40k guys... I hope that it's good. I mean, I know there's a lot of people worried that it's going to do. Like, I like okay, so 
we talked about it in the last episode, and then people, and I, I mean, they can't prove it, and I can't prove it. Like the whole is Age of Sigmar doing well? Is it doing bad? Like, but all that's irrelevant. What what is true, and like even Age of Sigmar people that play now, I think most of them can agree with this. When the change happened from fantasy to Age of Sigmar, a lot of the veteran hardcore fantasy players did leave. So even if Age of Sigmar is popular now, it's with new people. Like it still did splinter that community. A lot of people that played that game don't play it now. I mean, that's I mean, I don't think you can argue that. So I would I think that that's why the 40k community is panicking now because when if they drastically change the rules, you're inevitably going to have people leave. Whether it's good or not for the overall long-term health of the game, you know, you're not going to know that till it goes, but in the short term, if it there you know, there may be a lot of pissed off people that leave or don't like it. So, I don't know. You get what I'm saying there? Like I'm No, yeah, I get it. I, I mean, think it's just that, I think they saw that with Age of Sigmar, and now they're worried that it's going to happen to their game. And I'm glad that as a 30K player, they kind of separated us out where we don't have to worry about that, at least right now. <laughs> yeah, no. And even if it does, like, I mean, the, the good like, okay, I know this is going to sound shitty, but the good thing is, if it does splinter and shatter the community, and it goes tits up, then... Games Workshop is not going to do that twice. Like, it, it, it's kind of weird how, like, the test environment is the made majority of the community, like the 40K community. And then, like, we'll kind of get the after effects. Like, okay, that didn't fucking work. Let's not fuck the heresy community up while we're at it, you know, if it doesn't. I'm not saying it won't, but, like, if it doesn't, they're not going to fucking, yeah. you know, force it, force it down our throats if it goes, if it, you know, everything fucks up. I'm actually, so here, like, here's a fun game. Like, not really a game. Like, I actually thought about this. Like, I was going to, we'll just do it now live and I'll spring it on you. But I was actually, I forgot about this. I was going to talk to you about this in the pre-show recording about doing, like, if we, like, I think you even asked me this last show. Like, if if I had total control and could call the shots, what would I do? So here's kind of, like, some options that I was thinking about that Games Workshop slash forge world can handle this so one would be to basically just 30k write their own rules and 40k write their own rules you know from this point on and it you know and that's just a thing the other thing that i could i would be fine with and i think wouldn't be that bad of a move would be 30k is a finite game and when i say finite game i mean that when it reaches the battle for terra that's kind of an endpoint for it that's like a natural endpoint for the heresy timeline right yeah now you could go on and do the scouring but what so follow me here so you could just keep this rule set for all of heresy and then when battle for terra happens and, and it, it's over, you wrap that game up, and this game is always and forever will be 7th edition, and it's nice little package to the side, and if you want to play this basically big, giant, think of it as a giant campaign, all these books and this rule book is what you need to play, and here's the models, and it's like a fucking set package. And then 
once that's done and you move on to the scouring or you go back and do um, Unification Wars or whatever Forge World wants to go after that, then they can use what you know the new rule set or then at that point adopt the GW method of what it looks like they're going to go to with online rules that you download and all that. I just don't like that they're doing it right in the middle of the fucking heresy. We're seven books in. We supposedly got like seven to eight books to go. Why would you fucking change it right dead in the middle of the game where you invalidate all these books that came out, all these army lists written, um, all the work that you put into it thus far, all the cool custom scenarios that like, like TOs like me and the fucking Nova guys and all that have done, you know, it just makes sense to me that you would just keep that as one like together package and just ride it out till you hit Battle for Terra, and then after that, then adopt the change because it's finite. Right. Forty k, forty k is inf- is is infinite. Like there, like there's no like stopping point. They can advance the timeline or do whatever they want for as long as they want until the game goes out of business, world ends, whatever. So there's really no like defined point where it's like, okay, well, we've reached this point. Um, now's a good time to change the edition type thing. They just kind of do it whenever. But to me, that's like, it's different than 30K because we know we're traveling. We know a de- we have a destination. 40K doesn't really have a destination. So why don't we just wait till we get to the destination before we fucking change things? That's I guess that's what I'm saying. That would make sense if it wasn't like a 10-year, like, prospect but yeah what i I get it but that's what i'm saying like why wouldn't you you know write your own rules or you could even do the other thing i was thinking of is just do two different rule sets like do one more age of sigmar because it it sounds to me like they want to do more skirmish level games like if you look at age of sigmar the way they designed it what they want you to do is to be able to buy like one or two boxes and immediately be able to play. Yeah. Which is and good if for you their look business at H- model, yeah. Right. Like barring whether or not you think Age of Sigmar is a good game or you don't think it doesn't matter. Like it's really not a bad business model. It's like what all other games are doing now. Like this Dark Age game that I was just talking about. We actually ran some demos tonight. I want to talk about that a little bit later. Just a short segment. I know it's not 30k related, but it's I got some cool info on dark age is something neat that happened to me, but it's, it's similar to that. Um, there's a lot of other games that basically put their rules out for free now, and they just expect you to buy miniatures. And then the books that they sell, it's really just, you're buying it for fluff. You know what I mean? It's more like people that just like a physical book to read about the fluff, but all the rules are free and you just buy the minis and they're going to this format where it's quote unquote more accessible. Um, which, I don't know. That's kind of a... I don't really know how I feel about that. I kind of feel like that plays into the, like when people joke about the society of like everybody being given an award. Like, I really don't think fucking 7th edition... Like, the rules aren't written clear. Like, I get that there's a lot of like lawyer-esque like, rules, gray area bullshit. I understand that. That I guess that, that quote, people think that that's complicated... But take all that out of it. That's just people writing rules sloppy. The actual like rules themselves or the intent behind the rules, it's really pretty fucking simple. Like if if I guess what I'm saying is if you can't grasp it, you're probably not somebody I really want to 
game with in this scenario because you're probably not going to offer enough of a challenge to me personally to make it intellectually stimulating enough to where I even care to play. Like, if I'm looking for that type of gaming environment, I'll just go play some, like, basic-ass board game, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of like 30K because of the tactical depth and because of the... Because of the complication. Like, I'm fine with the barrier to entry being up here because it's not for everyone. If it was for everyone, it would just be some other fucking, you know, board game. Like, that's kind of why I joke. Like, I don't really... Like, Age of Sigmar, to me, is just like... I joke... I call it Skirmish Game 37B because there's like a million fucking games like Age of Sigmar. You know what I mean? It's not unique in any way. Like, fucking... It's like... It's just... Like, it's slightly different, but it's pretty much just like... War Machine or the fucking new Rune War games that come out or this Dark Age game. Like, it's just like a different... It's kind of all the same shit, just like with slightly different. Like, if you really think about it, what other game do you play with the quantity of models um, on the table at the same time with the intricacy of rules than you do with 40K and 30K? There's really no other game system that does that. So it's unique in that. Yeah. I can't think of any off the top of my head. So what I'm saying, I guess I'm going through this a long way, but I guess what I'm saying is I would be fine if they did like two tiers of rules. Like if you had like a Age of Sigmar style rule set that was more like simplified, that was quote unquote, you know, more inclusive, more easy to get into where you can just buy a couple boxes and play. But then you had a more advanced rule set for if people wanted that different experience and a more challenging experience that could play that. And they did that with Lord of the Rings. Like I brought that up on the Facebook page today. You had the original Lord of the Rings game was every miniature operated independently and you did whatever. And then later on they came out with War of the Rings where they released the movement trays that you could put all your individual models in the movement trays and treat them as units. And it was like a bigger, scaled up, like larger all-out warfare game. So I don't think that would be a bad idea either if they wanted to do that. Scale up the game, like, as in, like, or scale it down from what it is now. Both, that's what I'm saying. Like, just have two rule sets. Like, literally have, like... Yeah, but are you... Are you like, do you want another rule set that's scaled down from the current rule set or scaled up from the current rule set? Oh, me, like, I'm just throwing things out. I'm not saying I'm wishlisting. I'm just saying directions that they could go with it. Like, different things they could do. Like, because I'm guessing what I'm saying is if you dumb it down and make it like Age of Sigmar, you're going to make people mad, right? And then there are people, I've seen people this week complain that it's too complicated and bloated that want it scaled back. So, the really the only way to satisfy both is just to say, we have these two rule sets, Choose one and fucking play it. We, we you know we're we're making everyone happy. It it sounds like they're gonna have three rule sets. From from the way they make it sound, actually that right, but that that's is what it says. I'm just I'm just that's what I'm saying. I'm just talking things out here. Like if I was GW, like if we were in a boardroom meeting right now, we're throwing around ideas of what we want to do to make our customer base happy. These are like this is me. Like we're we're having that discussion right now. I guess is what I'm doing. Yeah, well, I guess I guess they've had this discussion already, and because th- there there's going to be three different rule sets for the eighth edition. 
But if it's like Age of Sigmar, it's really just the same rule set. It's just like, this rule set has no points. This rule set is the exact same rule set with points. Yeah. Like, And then this rule set is scenario-based, but it's the same rule set. Like, that's not really three rule sets. That's just... I got like, hmm. You're still using the same, like, mechanics in all fucking three things. One just has points one doesn't have points and one is like you take these units and these take these units and you play this exact specific scenario. I gotcha. I think, I think that's right. I, I know that two of the three of those are right. And I guess like what I'm getting at is if, if 30 K stays seventh and then 40 K changes to this entry level game, you would have two different design teams, one running a more complicated rule set or more advanced whatever, and then one running not. And then if somebody who currently plays 40K maybe isn't happy with going Age of Sigmar, they could always just move over to 30K. I mean, that's what a lot of people did anyway. Yeah. So I guess it gives both, both sides of the aisle a place to go where you're not just like, fucking over whatever group of the community does isn't happy with either way. I gotcha. It's all kind of speculation at this point right now. But it, I just find it weird that people... I've seen people in the 30k community that it's like... And I don't know why, but they're... Like, they were like, well, I want... Like, for one... They don't know what 8th edition is going to be, so for them to champion that it's going to change is crazy to me because you're gambling on whether it'll be good or bad. So what that means is if you're absolutely 100% wanted to change, it means you're currently unhappy with the way it is, which to me is weird because it keeps growing, and I've never met anyone that's unhappy with it. I've never met anybody that's unhappy with it, like that that talks about it and wanting it to change. But but for whatever reason, this week they appeared on Facebook. That's what I'm getting at. So I've never met anyone that feels that way, and the community grows every day. But yet, in the last week, people have decided they wanted to change, even though they don't know what it would change to, and they're in the dark. It was really confusing. I huh, that's crazy. I guess I've been out of the loop on that one. <laughs> I didn't see anybody yeah. arguing for it to change, so. But yeah, I I've seen quite, out there. I've seen. I definitely believe so, they're out there. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. It just seems like it's in a good spot. I mean, like we've said it a trillion times in just the episode alone. I mean, every event that I'm aware of that's like you've ha- like you had stiff one and then stiff two is like stiff three, and now we've had several Adepticons several Novas. I've run several 30K events. I've never been to a 30K of to a 30K event that I've been to previously and this is just another incarnation of it that wasn't bigger every time that I go to it. And oh, then yeah. like just like I said tonight just at our little game club, we had three new people show up uh one of which had never played 30K, borrowed my word bears and played and loved it, said he's coming to our May 13th event which will be perfect for him because it's a, I told him it'd be a per, I go, do you play 40 K? And he says, yes. And I go, well, the 
the core mechanics are basically the same. It's just you you have to wrap your brain around what scores and what doesn't, which is easy to figure out. And then obviously, like the army list and things are different. That being said, because it's a team event, we'll put you with a partner that's a veteran. So they can, you know what I mean? So every game you're going to have a helper to walk you through the changes that you need to be aware of. So it'll be, a, and, and I have a really good group that's really good with new players. And I think the 30K group, like guys in general are really good with new people. You know, they're really like, oh, cool, you're new. Like, that's neat. You know, we got a new person to play with. So um, I don't know. Like, I just, I just feel like the community is in such a good spot. It's growing. Every, like every event I go to, everybody has a fucking blast. It's always bigger than the last time. Like, why fuck up a good thing, man? No, yeah, I agree. I haven't. I mean, I there was people at Stiff Three who had never played a game before or that, or, or were brand new that were still getting help and everything like that. It's such a good community, you know. It, everybody, everybody that we deal with, I've never like met anybody in the thirty k community I didn't like. And it's always growing, you know, it's always moving. Like, there's more and more events popping up. I'm seeing game clubs getting started. I mean, just just thinking about when, you know, we started and all the advice we were giving to people online. You know, it's like, hey, go start a Facebook group. Go start this and all this stuff. And now, like, those exact same Facebook groups that we were added to have, like, 300, 400 members now. And, you know, they've got, like, you know events popping up you know we've got all these events that we need to shout out from groups that didn't exist a year ago and you're just like man like this community is growing big like it's there man it is there it is growing so it's a good time it's a good time to be in the hobby and you know after today's news it really feels like uh it's a safe time to be in the hobby too it's not like uh, yeah, Demon Glooms around the corner. We're not there yet, but I mean, um, everybody that I'm like, I personally know, like I consider myself friends with, or yeah, we'll just say like everybody that's an actual personal friend that I talk to, like you know, one on one, whether it's in person or on the phone that I talked to today was relieved at the news. I didn't talk to anybody, nobody I personally know wanted necessarily wanted it to change some of them were like well it may be better so i'll wait and see like they weren't like as upset about it as i was they weren't like actively pissed off about it but when they got the news that it was the same they were happy with that news that and then but most people were like fuck yeah that's great news like i i feel totally relieved so i don't personally know any of these people that were like you know, oh, it'd be great if it changes, you know, this, that, and the other. Like, I don't know. So that's why I was just confused by that sentiment on Facebook. By some people. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. It's awesome. I feel, I feel great. Well, you know, I mean, you've been talking to me all, well, not, you've been busy all week. And we were just talking about that. You were Johnny Incognito. I was like, where'd Michael go? And then I felt bad because I'm like, He's nowhere on social media anywhere, and I can't get a hold of the guy. So I know he's like busy or ill, something like that's not great. And then I'm like, "Fuck!" I like I'm so computer retarded. I have this one mission left to do, and now I'm gonna have to like put the fucking screws to him and like feel like I'm being pushy. Like I felt like I was being pushy asking you to link that last mission, but I had to get it done because 
there was literally like five other people that kept messaging me like, hey, when are you going to send me the mission packet? And I'm like, well, I want to get this last mission, everything ready, because I'm going to put the fucking QR codes on the mission packets. So I don't want to send you the mission packet and then have to resend the mission packet like two days later. You know, plus I, I'm going, I'm leaving Monday to go on vacation for two weeks, and there's no way my wife wants me to talk about 30k, think about 30k, Facebook with people. Like it's just, you know what I mean. I'm gonna have to wait for her to like go to sleep or not be looking, and risk <laughs> my life and limb to fucking talk to you guys about 30k or do whatever. So I'm like, this has to be done, you know, by Saturday night. So that's why I was like, kind of like I felt like I was rushing you. I'm like, man. I know Michael's busy because I'm not talking to him, and like now I'm like messaging him. Hey man, hey man, when did you get this video? Have you seen that video? I sent you that message. Did you get that message? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, but, it was it was crazy at work, man. But I uh, th- those those mission packets came out fucking so cool, dude. Once you pop that picture over to me with those QR codes on there. They really did come out like super nice, and I'm glad that worked. Yeah, out. you got the, got the name of the mission, and then the picture of the deployment map right underneath that, and then like all the special rules for the mission, and then the QR codes in the other corner where you can just zap it with your phone. Zap it. <laughs> well, that's mine. Makes a little noise when you scan the thing. <laughs> Badass. It was cool. I was watching because people were testing the missions tonight because we're, you know, there are still guys in the other room playing because we're in, like people who are listening right now. I'm recording while there's a game night going on. Um, it's most people have left. It's kind of quieted down, but there are still people out. I can hear them out there. But anyway, it was cool just me watch walking around tonight and watching people play missions and they all had their fucking phones out and they would fucking start to play a game. And one of the guys would get their phone out and hit that QR code, and they'd all gather around and be watching the video. I was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait. The future is in front of us. I'm telling you, man. You just wait. You just wait till uh, Games Workshop's going to be starting to do that. They're going to have that Duncan dude uh, with a little, they're, they're going to have a a QR code on the back of the models and then it's going to go straight to his YouTube channel and it's going to show you how to paint like immediately. They're just going to scan the back of it. And it's like, Hey, you want to learn how to paint? Scan this. It's going to be perfect. They're going to completely get rid of those little. What? Well, imagine like any game, like any, any miniatures game, like this dark age game I just picked up. Like imagine if on the back of the starter box, they had a QR code that you scanned and it just took you immediately to like a demo. Like here's a 30 minute, like demonstration on how to play the game. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that working. If you incorporated QR codes in a YouTube video into the rule book, but I definitely, cause you know, in the back of like games workshop boxes, actually I have one somewhere, but I don't, I, I know, you know how it's got like yep. the simple paint scheme set up and all that jazz. Well, you know, and that it that, shows that, you, it says like to paint this model, use ultramarine blue and yeah, like, Zinc butthole brown or whatever the fuck that their color names are. Yeah, so we'll know if uh, Games Workshop actually listens to this podcast and see like whenever they start transitioning over and they don't use the pictures anymore and they just go QR codes that link directly to the YouTube channel and all that jazz. I feel like it's gonna happen. I uh, I feel like uh, it. Somebody somebody at Forge World or Games Workshop's listening right now. I know they are. I doubt it. I doubt it. 
it's no it's no coincidence that they you know drop a little addendum one week after your eighth edition rant so hey thanks guys well i have horace has been doing it too and i know that they listen to them yeah well <laughs> so they've also mentioned your qr codes on i have horus so yeah it's probably it's even more opportunity that might, that might happen well here's the thing it's i kind of got the idea from fuck i don't know who it was it's one of the bigger australia like i don't know if it was ty from australia or andrew hollis or one of those guys but one of those Australian guys that weren't the Eye of Horus guys did a audio player pack. And then Tim talked about him doing the audio player pack on Eye of Horus. And then Tim did an audio player pack or talked about he's going to do an audio player pack for their event. And I heard that. And I thought, that's a cool idea. That said, what's better than audio is video because I have access to my tables and I can physically talk about it while actually moving models to represent what I'm talking about to give you an actual really good idea. And then I explained that to somebody else who's way more tech savvy than myself. And before I could even get the words out of my mouth, he was like, oh yeah, then you link it to a QR code. So I can't claim responsibility for the idea. This was literally like three different, three other people's idea that I just like took this part of uh, this part of this person's idea, this part of this person's idea, and this part of this person's idea, and combined it into one new idea. So that's how ideas work. That's how fucking mankind goes forward. That's why shit becomes awesome, unless it's a fucking computer printer for whatever reason. Those still suck. Um, that's how, that's that how said, a wheel becomes a wagon, bro. Right. So, I mean, it's out there. Like, I want the community to use it. It's not like I like I'm going to put fucking QR codes for mission packets. TM. I give zero fucks. Like anybody wants to use it, use it. That's how shit gets better and the hobby gets better and things go forward. So, I mean, that's just how I look at it. So I wouldn't be mad. Well, well, it's all done now, man. It's all in your your mission packets. Those guys are gonna have a good time and they're gonna have everything explained to them really well. So. And I want to thank you for that, man. You were a big help, like, helping me with that, editing the videos and putting the things out there. So so everybody who knows that watches the videos and all that, that would not have been possible with just me at the helm. So, Michael, help me out. Yes, sir. I know my strengths. <laughs> and even though my wife gives zero fucks and would never in a million years listen to this podcast, I want to thank her, too, for being my cameraman. And then Chris Duncan was my cameraman for one video and i know he does listen so thank you chris for filming the one video spot on dude spot on chris good job that one video was the best one out of all of them you're so good <laughs> <laughs> so anyway man let's get on some hobby progress that was the intro like that was that was the intro of the entire A long time. intro we had to talk about it though it's big news yeah what you been working on bud um, well, <laughs> I've haven't done it. Okay, so I finished, um, I finished all the secret weapon miniature tiles for my last mission. Like we just talked about, I was waiting on finishing the board for one of my missions so that I could film the explanation video so that you could link that last QR code. I could have 
because I had all the the stuff there, it just wasn't painted. So I technically could have filmed the video and went through the mission. It wouldn't have been any different, other than I would have been putting a video of me on the internet with unpainted fucking models and terrain, and I cannot fucking have that. That cannot be on the official record. That no, is not I, how I roll. Yeah. No, you can't. You couldn't do that to yourself. Come on now. No. Let's get real. So I paint. I painted like a madman and got all that done. So have you seen the finished product? Have you seen that table? I'm pretty proud of myself. I saw it in the video, but not in good resolution, like to where I could make heads or tails. What's well, going on there? I'm sending you pictures. Pictures right now, sir, and I'll post them up on our uh, Facebook too. Let me find them. Are they on here? Maybe I deleted them. Nope. I got him right here. So check this out. Uh, I'm checking. Oh, Send it to my phone right now, I'm guessing. Hang on. Where are they at? There's those. Oh, here it is. I got this shit all out of order. And these are what? Secret weapon? Uh... These are the secret weapon uh, street rebel tiles. So I'm sending you pictures of just the tiles with nothing on them so you can see how cool the tiles themselves are. All painted up. And then I took some pictures with the, like, I have a, fuck, what's the name of that company? It's called Battle, it's the pre-painted stuff that's like the real thick, heavy-duty resin. They had it at Adepticon. Oh, you weren't at Adepticon. I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. Not to rub fucking salt in the wound. What is the name of that company? It's this stuff. The people who make this. I know you've seen this stuff before. It's like molded. It's real heavy duty. It's painted on the bottom. It's really good stuff. And they do it limited run. Like you buy this and then it goes out and it takes fucking forever to. It's the people who do Team Yankee and all that. Is it? It's called Battlefield in a Box, I think is the name of the like line, but I don't remember the name of the company. Yeah, it looks good, man. Your towels look real good. So anyway, a lot of the buildings are that. And then I have some of the, my, dis- <laughs> I used one of the, I used my display board building for my fucking Black Shields army just so I didn't have to paint another building. So it's thrown on there. And then I painted a bunch of, uh, scatter terrain. Like if you zoom in close, there's like a, some sandbags and some like rubble piles. Um, the one thing that's missing in the pictures, which is a shame cause I didn't paint it till later. That's what I stayed up late painting. I painted a little crashed car. Like, it's like a car crashed in rubble, and I did, like, some weathering and scratches and shit on it. It's pretty pretty cool. And then um, the six, like, civilian models that you see, um, um, they, they're supposed to represent, like, people that were in the city right when it got bombed. And then some of them hid in the ruins, and some of them fled to the sewers. So those are, like, the relic, like, because it's, re- it's a multiple relic mission, so each of those guys are treated like the relic. So there's going to be three in the sewers below the city and then three in the city. Um, I painted um, two of those models and then Perpetual Painting Dave painted the other four. Um, So those are the only things I didn't paint. And then you can see the when I did those dungeon tiles a long time ago for my uh, sister's boyfriend to run his demo game at the little indie comic book con. I've been trying to work that in to actually use it for something. So I'm using it as the sewers beneath the city. So it's like kind of like some fantasy-esque like dungeon tiles to represent the sewer. That's dope. So they go down into the sewers during the mission and all that jazz? 
Yep. So when you deploy, it's just like the the mission with the Zone Mortalis and then the missile base sitting on top of the Zone Mortalis. It plays the same way. It's just a different mission using that format on a different table. So if you look at my city map, if you zoom in real close, all the manholes have a sticker on them that are color-coordinated. There's a manhole with a green sticker, a manhole with a pink sticker, a manhole with an orange sticker, and a manhole with a yellow sticker. Yeah. And then on the dungeon, or dungeon, <laughs> on the sewer map, there are stairs leading down into the sewer, and the stairs also have color-coordinated dots on them. So the way it'll work is if you're on the surface, if you end your move within two inches of a manhole, you can embark, quote-unquote embark, into the manhole just like it were a vehicle. And then you immediately disembark from the matching, the color-coordinated matching stairs onto the sewer board right next to it. Makes sense. That's cool. That's a cool using, element. Using the disembark rules. And then you can, do the, you can do opposite the same thing. If you're in the sewer, you can move up to the surface. Man, dude, jet bikes are going to totally kick ass on that map. <laughs> Just haul ass into the sewers to go get those peoples, to go get those civvies. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so I finished painting all that. So I painted all that in scatter terrain. And then I built a shitload of Battletech models, like a metric shit ton of Battletech. And then I finished building my um, Dark Age models. And I, I wanted to bring up on the Dark Age thing, this was fucking crazy. So, I was building the Dark Age models, and I'm like, man, this is really cool. I'm going to run some demos at game night. I think people will like this game. And it'll be, because it uses the same scale terrain that 30K and 40K uses, so I can use like all my terrain that I have already. But you're supposed to just play on like a super dense board. I don't have you seen Infinity played? You know, Infinity players play with like a fuck metric foot ton of terrain. Yeah, dude. Beautiful, beautiful terrain. But yeah. Right. So this Dark Age game, you're supposed to play with the about of the same amount of terrain that you see Infinity played on, but it's like a post apocalyptic like Mad Max world. So it's supposed to be like shitty rundown ruins or you know, whatever. So I have plenty of that, like my rust table and all that would work great. You play on a four by four. So um Anyway, I got on Facebook, was looking for Facebook groups to join to talk about Dark Age um, or a podcast to listen to or whatever. So I got on all these Facebook groups and I kept seeing this Brian Steele guy, this guy named Brian Steele, like in all these Facebook groups. And I'm like, man, that name sounds really familiar. So I clicked on his picture and to see like his profile and he's from Indiana. He's from Lafayette, and underneath where it says occupation, it says main games developer for Dark Age, for Cool Mini or not. <laughs> so the guy who's the main games developer for Dark Age, like the main rules writer, lives here in Indiana, like just a couple hours away. But more than that, I recognized him. I used to go to these local 40K events, and um, he... Uh, we would play, you know, play games together. I'd actually played with him. And I, I clearly remember this one time because I went to a 40 K event and it was when I couldn't find any 30 K opponents, but I was like, I had already bought all these 30 K models. It was my blood angel army where I'd basically built a 40 K army using only 30 K models. Cause I was like, couldn't find an opponent, but I wanted to start building my 30 K army. So I just 
used playing 40k as an excuse to buy 30k models to play 40k yeah so i went to this fucking 40k event was like bummed that i was forced to play like competitive 40k but it is what it is but i was getting to use my cool 30k models i get there and everybody has 40k armies this other guy's playing ultramarines and he did the exact same thing his entire army is 30k models but they're painted ultramarines but he's using them in 40k so we immediately like like fall in love from across the room. It's like in, in the <laughs> fucking movies where it's like, like you hear the music play and everything slows down and the two people walk towards each other. Yep. And we start making out and no, I'm just playing and make out. But we just got to talking and we played a game and we're like, man, this is cool. And then it was funny because we got done with our game and then we like literally the whole rest of the day shitting on 40k and talking shit about 40k and lamenting the fact that we weren't just playing 30k with each other instead of having to fucking suffer through the rest of the competitive 40k tournament. <laughs> so this was like two or three years ago and I had seen him at a couple other events and I'd met him and he's a super nice guy and I'd actually invited him down here to play. Um, but man, we've seen that he had in Rules Cage, which is this game I picked up at the con and kind of pumped to try out. It's a totally... It's not going to like replace 30k or whatever. It's just, you know, something else I want to do. And you don't need that many mo- it's like paint 5 6 models to play. So it's something I can do that's not going to take away a lot of like time for my 30k hobby. It's something I can paint and build real quick. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it should be fun and and it's a different feel to it. So anyway, I'm pretty pumped about that. So I reached out to him, was like, "Hey man, I'm getting into the dark age." You know, so that I was talking about so um, I'm not going to hold him to it if whatever. I don't know if he was just talking shit, but he did offer to bring like, he's got like five or six armies that he has that so that they can, because he's got a play test. So they're like these really nicely painted like studio armies that he used to play test the game to write the rules for it. So he offered to come down at some point to my game club with all these cool armies and like the actual games developer run us through a bunch of demos. That's fucking badass, dude. Like what a hookup. Like, what a, no wonder no wonder you're so excited about him and everything like that like you you seem like legitimately excited to meet this guy or like to re-meet him and i was like oh well, good for you but no it sounds like it's a lost love from like a a con at one point well it's not even it's just like okay so you're in the 30k imagine if fucking alan bly lived an hour away and said that he would come down with studio painted armies my cousin Jessica's going to sit with me. Hey. Okay. Um, What's going on, Jessica? So anyway, this is my this is Michael. This is who I do the podcast with. We're 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 actually doing the podcast right now. So people at home are listening to this random conversation with this random person, but we don't give a fuck. That's how we roll. Yep. So anyway, um, so imagine like you getting to play like. Alan Bly offering to drive down and bring these nicely painted studio fucking playtest armies with him and run your game club through fucking demos. Yeah, no, that that sounds like uh, something I'd take him up on. So I, I'm not like I'm not like you know I'm not downing on you for having him come to your your place. Like yeah, you should totally do that. Have him so, come teach you how to play Dark Age, and then like you could play like Dark Age, like nobody else can play Dark Age. The only problem I feel like Alan Bly would be like, well, the rules intended like this, I'm like, but not technically. Like, yeah, you, when you wrote it in the book, like what? <laughs> if you wanted Blade of Perdition to work like that, you should have wrote it like that. Like, I don't know. I'm gonna play it my way, Alan. 
I don't give a shit if you're the lead designer. Fuck you. It says it in this book right here. Could Stop you imagine, like, shit. how funny is that? Like, rules lawyering Alan Bly. That would be the best thing ever. I feel like you're. Uh, I feel like you're more than more than capable of doing that. I feel like if anybody, I, if I anybody here, do what? I don't think I would though. I'd just be like, oh, cool. Like, oh, all right, let's do it. That single single melt bombs only. Can I change my list real quick? I, I'd <laughs> argue with him on that. Multi bombing for life. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> I'd be like, my house, my rules. We multi bomb here. We multi bomb this Freddy's household. Hat. I'm look. I'm staring at the hat that Freddie the Swede gave me that I will treasure forever. Right now, that says hashtag multi bombing right on the side of it. I'm glad people know. I'm glad it's a thing. Me and Freddie connected on a level. We are team perfection. I saw that. I we saw have you a, had matching hats. We have a we're batting a thousand win loss ratio. Granted, we've only played one game, but we are undefeated. Team perfection. Good to know. That's perfection, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Very small, small uh, test group, but it is still perfection. Yeah. So anyway, so I built a bunch of BattleTech stuff, built the Dark Age stuff, painted a bunch of, uh, painted the rest of the train for my event. Um, ran through, ran some guys through. Pump for that. They're going to try that out, which is cool. Um, and then I played a game with uh, Scott uh, tonight, Schweitzer. We played, he brought his uh, Iron Hands, and I played my Black Shields. It's the first time I've played my full Black Shield army at my actual club. Like, I played it at Stiff, and I played it at Adepticon, but nobody else here at the club had played against it. Because I got it done literally, like, you know, the day before I left for Stiff. And we've only had what, like one, maybe two game nights since then, and I've just not gotten a chance to play because I've been painting terrain for this upcoming event, so I finally got a chance to play, so it was fun. Me and Scott, we were just talking before the show, before we actually started officially recording. Scott's one of those guys that, to me, is like the perfect opponent. Like, he's skilled at the game, so he offers a very good tactical challenge. It's not just like some guy that um, I'm you know, just going to crush or they're going to build some goofy list because they're new that may not really function or have any synergy or whatever, that it's just not, you know what I mean? And then he's also not like a rules lawyer douche. It's always going to take like cheesy crap. Like he builds a strong list, but it's always well in theme and makes sense. And he plays it well and he's fun. Like he has a hilarious, like he's hilarious. He has a great sense of humor. He's always joking around. He's always positive. Um, and his shit is extremely nicely painted. It's very well painted. So it's like the perfect opponent. Like, so I love playing with Scott. We had we had fun. So it's a good game. Like that. I'm glad you got to get your iron hands back on the table, man. Like they, uh, who won? Black shields or black shields? I don't know. Black. Shields. I'm sorry. I read I read Iron Hand Will at the bottom of the screen. But yeah, your oh, black shields. Yeah, he was playing. Who? Scott was playing Iron Hand. I won. It was the mission where you're trying to get um units in in their deployment zone and they're trying to get units in your deployment zone and so he had a uh, head of the gorgon so he outflanked all his like bullshit stuff that wasn't really going to do a lot like tactical squads and rhinos because he knew i was going to drop pot in and be aggressive so then he outflanked the other stuff and just snuck it in like all the way over here like knowing that I'm going to be like five feet away and I'm going to focus over here. 
It's and then two turns to get in. Took, <laughs> so then what happened was I dropped in and then he made it a priority to kill all my pods to get rid of my mobility. And then any units that he could break off and get away from me and move faster than my guys could move on foot, he did. So the only problem was he lost too many things along the way. His plan worked and he that all worked. But by the time he got out, I still had enough stuff left to where no matter what he did, I would have more points than him in his zone than he had in mine. That being said, I think it was like 11 to 9. So the game was close, and his plan worked to a certain extent. Like, he played to the mission. Like, as far as killing models, like, I killed a lot more models. But he was like, well, if I do this and I do this, he can't really stop this or shut this down or box this in because I'm going to outflank all this shit, and then I'll make it a priority to kill all his pods. And then he can't make it to over there in the the allotted turn limit. And then I'll do this tactical retreat where I'll kill guy like I'll kill my way out and then make a break for it with these other units to try to save as many as I can to put in his zone. And then if he tries to chase me, he's gonna end up in no man's land to where if the game ends on turn five on those random rolls, he's not gonna score any points. So he's not really gonna be able to chase me. You know, or what like but it just didn't work out because I had just enough stuff left where I didn't have to chase him. I'm like, well, I can just sit in your this zone and you can sit in my zone and I'm still going to get you in the end because I have, you know, one or two more units than you do. Right. Damn. Okay. Cool game. Yeah. Oh, the, the other thing he was not at all expecting, which I told him I discovered this after playing the army several times. The fucking fire sweep when the drop pods land and they do the blast. Yeah. Um, I had three pods come in on his lines. I put two whole points on a Vindicator and stunned it. Put another whole point on another Vindicator and immobilized it. Um, blew up a Contemptor. I did three whole points to it, one from each of the drop pods, and blew up his Contemptor, and then... Uh, put a whole point and stunned a Scorpius just with fucking landing and doing the blast wave attack when the drop pods land. Wow. That's fucking brutal, dude. Putting that much glancing hits on it? Like, that's crazy. So the... the Because it's strength six, hitting weakest armor, ignoring cover. So it's Dreadnought, I because I had a pod come in. I think I rolled a five, so it's a pin. He failed his five up in bowl, and then I think I rolled where it stunned it. So I'm like, already this thing's going to snap fire. And what's funny is this happens as soon as it lands. So he had put his mortis where it was going to intercept. But this happens before it gets to intercept. So I'm like, oh, well, now at You're the stunned. end of the movement yeah. phase. <laughs> yeah, he, he's at least he's at least going to have to snap fire when he intercepts. So then I put my other pod in right next to my other one. And I hit everything again, including my own pod, because I already had a pod on the table. But my pod, he needs a six just to glance it because they're 12 all the way around. So he didn't do anything to mine, and then I'm like, stunned to Scorpius, put another whole point on the fucking Dreadnought, and then like, put a glance on the fucking Vindicator or whatever, and then drop the third one in and kill, finish the Dreadnought off, put the third whole point on it, and then like, it was, it was fucking great. He was like, fuck. So if you think about it, he had two Vindicators, two Scorpiuses, a Cerberus thing, like the big super heavy, the Cerberus, yeah. and a Spartan, but the Spartan was like further away, and everything else was kind of castled up. The Cerberus I can't hurt because it's fucking 14, 14, 14 13. What's yeah. well, 13 was... on the back now? Huh. Okay. It's weird. He pointed that out. I guess they changed it in the new Red Book. I, do, I wasn't aware of that. 
he pointed it out in the new red book that it's 13 on the rear. That particular tank is. Okay, sure. Why so, not? <laughs> Why not? But anyway, so if you think about it, he has two Scorpiuses, two Vindicators, and a Dreadnought, and I stunned the Vindicator, so now it can't fire because it's Blast. I stunned a Scorpius, now it can't fire because it's Blast. Blew up the Dreadnought, so it's not shooting. And then the other Vindicator I immobilized, so it can't turn, and it only has a forward-facing arc. Like wow. So I eliminated, like, you know, a slightly more than half of his firepower shooting at me in his turn two, just from fucking blast waves from drop pods, which really proved to be the difference because it, it, you know, really limited what he could do in his turn two, which allowed all my guys to get out of pods and then kill all those units while he was trying to implement his battle plan of doing a tactical withdrawal while outflanking. Yeah, I mean, what's that? So, a third of his army disabled, like, immediately? Like, yeah, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Especially losing yeah. the Vindicators, man. Like, just, that's completely useless if they're snap firing only. So, yeah, busy, man. That's pretty, that's a pretty smart tactic, though. Um, the whole using your anvilist to stun a mortis, like, that's that's a very intelligent move. That's like, in the Just for Tips video. Oh, Wow. Because cool. it triggers, it triggers before intercept. It's the one thing that goes before intercept. So even like the little fucking, uh, so say you got like, I don't know, like militia guys on a quad, like anything like that. You're killing those guys if you can, if you can manage to kill it or stun it or whatever with the blast wave on the anvilus. It triggers before intercept triggers. That's cool. That's solid. That's a solid tactic out there. It's like, hello, Mortis. <laughs> oh, no. Try again. Second second Invilus. <laughs> and just fire sweep all day. Yep. So, cool game, man. Cool game. So, I guess that's it. That's all you got for hobby progress? That's it. I'm actually pretty excited because we got a whole bunch of voicemails and I haven't listened to any of them, so ready to go to town on these guys. We got one, two, three, four, five, six voicemails. Damn. Hey, real quick. I'm ready, but real quick. We got a guy in our club. He's an older guy, Jim. I, I don't I don't want to insult him because he does listen, but I think he's in his 60s. Would you say Jim's in his 60s? He... He's kind of, you know, he's an old timer. He's been playing Games Workshop games forever. And he's kind of like, we tease him because he's like way older than the rest of us. Like, but he's, he's actually like fairly tech savvy and shit. But like today, he was talking about not liking digital codexes. We're like, oh, well, because you're old. You obviously don't like computers because you're old. And then he gets mad at us for making fun of it because he's old. He's like, he doesn't have anything to do with that. We're like, should we get off your lawn, Jim? Like teasing him. So, I got a kick kick out of it because he's like, well, I was finally able to finish one of your guys' podcasts today. Or today, He's like, Jesus Christ, why don't you just make them a little longer? <laughs> <laughs> I was just bringing that up because this has already been a fairly long podcast and we just made it to voicemails. So it made me think of Jim. I hope he's made saying, it this I finally far. made it through one. Good job, Jim. You're here. Just hang in there a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> you made it, bud. <laughs> uh, Jim's awesome. All right, let's, uh, oh, wait, no, we got more than that. 
Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot of voicemails. So okay. my cousin Jessica here sitting next to us, she doesn't listen to our normal um, episodes, but she's listened to both of our Break the Glasses, and she's a big fan. So she wants us to do more Break the Glasses because she listens to all of them. We need to, man. We need to. We got we we owe we owe our Patreon guys some Break the Glass episodes. We do. We owe them too. Yeah. Here, if if you haven't listened to Break the Glass episodes, you don't need to go back. Like if you're a new listener just coming in, and you've seen these Break the Glass episodes, but you know what the fuck they mean. Like you need to go back and listen to those. There's a cool story about a cop shooting a cow in the head. It doesn't die. And like that's <laughs> it's it's after a really long explanation of the movie Willow. You just have to make it past look. You have to make it past the 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 script reading of Willow, and like you'll get into. Well, it's just so funny. The like there's so many moments. Like it's like a it's like one of those like silly movies. Like we were just talking about like Hot Rod today like i love that movie hot rod and like all the little fucking stupid parts in that movie that make you laugh like me and scott were talking about that or like tropic thunder like there's like little just random things that's like these little obscure things that make you laugh that's kind of like those just the like break the glass things like you ask people did you listen to it and everybody has their own favorite part fucking tim when he was telling the story about meeting Steve Irwin and the fucking snake coming out of the cage and he's like crikey and he's bashing it with tongs like yeah, it's so fun, and I had me fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Such good stuff. It like just <laughs> like the fact that like Tim had a Steve Irwin story. Like, how Australian is that, man? Like, how like how ridiculously Australian? Well, yeah, because it's that? like you know we're the typical fucking idiot Americans that we're like, oh, we met an Australian, he must know Steve Irwin, and then the odds are that he actually does, and it proves the fucking stereotype. Like my stereotype would be like, have you ever met Chuck Norris? I'd be like, of course I have. I'm Texan. Like get out of here. Like what he's, like, <laughs> it's, duh. Do you know Everybody's Walker Texas met. Ranger? Fuck yeah, he's my neighbor. <laughs> you want a funny story? Like uh, my upstairs apartment neighbor. Like, whenever I used to live in some apartments, uh, his name was Tom, and he was, like, a black belt, like, 20th degree black belt. I don't know. He's some ridiculous, like, karate black belt. And uh, he used to spar with Chuck Norris, like, back in the day. And, like, Chuck Norris would legit call him to check on him, like, regularly, like, to see how he was doing and stuff (laughs) like that. And I saw yeah. him the other day at a Mexican food restaurant. And I was like, "What time?" I was like, "What's going on?" He's an old fucking man, dude. Like old Chuck Norris, old. Yeah, but well, Chuck Norris look... is old. He's in his seventies. Yeah, so this dude's Chuck Norris, old. And uh, uh, I was like, "I was like, hey man, is Chuck Chuck Norris still calling you?" He's like, "Yeah, man, yeah." He like goes and, like gets his phone like real quick. He's like, "Look, look." He's like trying to like prove to me. He's like, "Look, Chuck still calls me." And like this is like Chuck Norris, and like a couple out like days like Chuck Norris. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I know that's real, but like nobody will ever believe you besides me. Like that's, <laughs> like he just, he's like, yeah, man. And it, it's so funny because like Chuck Norris is like his hero, so you like tell him things. Yeah. Like we used to like we used well, to. Wasn't Chuck him. Norris everybody's hero? Like, <laughs> well, like before, before it was like the internet meme. Like we'd mess with him. We'd be like. It's like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, totally. You know, we talk about like current news. Like, yeah, Chuck Norris wouldn't let that happen. He's like, you're damn right, Chuck Norris wouldn't let that happen. Goddamn man's a goddamn hero, Chuck Norris. Like, <laughs> uh. So anyway, off of, off of Chuck Norris, and yeah, I have met him. But anyway, 
That's just part of being Texan. Uh, let's get a, let's get some voicemails. Let's get some voicemails. In. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So here's the first one. Here's the first one that rolled through. Dude, that was like some some like Eddie Bravo stuff, man. Like, dude, bro, like, chill, man. Like, <laughs> I'm crazy. Have you seen the latest one where he went? I did, I did with Brendan. Brendan, oh, uh, it was so good. Brendan Chobb and all them when he went all fucking flat Earth on him, and Joe Rogan's like Eddie, like, why do you believe this? Because I'm crazy, man. Because I'm crazy. What? <laughs> what? Good so lord. It's such a goofy podcast. Guys, if you're listening to our podcast, that means you listen to podcasts and you haven't checked out the Joe Rogan experience, go check it out. It's great. It's fantastic. So what do you think about that? Eighth edition, uh, this dude seems pretty chill. Says you got to chill out. We'll get a console together and we'll... I mean, it didn't look like we're going to need that now, now that the rules aren't going to nope. be affected too much. So 40K yep. players, uh, take this dude's advice and form a console and, and just chill, dude. Just ride the wave. Just ride the wave. So, anyway, got another one here. Wow! So the so the uh, the Google Voice it does do like a transcript, and I don't know if you can see, but if you look, like you see all those f bombs, like <laughs> like this is gonna be fun. Like that's a lot of a lot of f bombs in there. That's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 20 in a voicemail. So we're about to see what's going on here. So he used fuck as an adjective, folks. We'll see what happens. I mean, we well, don't know if yet. He's upset with us. Let's see. Listen, guys, you want some fucked up stories? Fucked up like this one time I was taking a shit in a port of shit when a fucking helo landed nearby, knocking the shit over and trapping me inside covered in blue shit fucked up? I've got some fucked up stories. We were out on maneuvers in the Red Desert, and I got separated from my unit, right? So I'm fucking lost in the Red Desert, sweating my balls off, thirsty as fuck when I come across a cooler. Who the fuck left the cooler in the middle of the desert? What the hell? I'm thirsty. Maybe there's some water, some coke, or some shit in there. Some shit is right. It was full of the nastiest, blackest shit I've ever seen. Who the fuck brings a cooler full of shit in the desert? Uh, when I finally got home from deployment, my buddy broke the bad news to me. My puppy was dead. Lisa's grandfather offered me some gator tail for condolences. A few weeks ago, my buddy and I are at Adepticon. He convinces me to try Chicago pizza. That shit is the sloppiest, greasiest shit I've ever eaten. That shit gave me the shit so bad I ended up shitting everywhere. Worse, I'm gonna fucking kill going full commando. I end up having to take some toilet paper and use it to stop things up down there. Like a fucking man pod. Apparently, I'm too loose because a fucker fell out somewhere in Patan. Last week, I thought I'd kick it back with the guys. We'd kick it old school with some willow. 
I put my Korean copy in the machine. Turns out it's fucking 56 grand. <laughs> Watching that with a bunch of dudes was bad. Like the audiobook being read by Gilbert Godfrey's bad. Anyways, you guys take care. I'm off on a fucking squash hunt with some Aussie dude named Tim. Or was it Mike? Whatever. What could possibly go wrong with this shit? Wow. Was that like the best fucking voicemail ever or what? <laughs> that was the best fucking voicemail so ever. people who are new listeners and my my cousin sitting right here next to me, that's like he's combined all the fucking stories that have been on, like all the other voicemail stories that have been good. He's like combined them all into like one fucking, like elements of them all into one story, which is amazing. Is that so, not like super yeah. fan material right there? Like, I don't know where that, that like. <laughs> he was good. Like it was high energy. He moved at a fast rate, like it was fucking scripted. Like, like that, he, like he he knew that there was like a short amount of time because he's heard our voicemails get cut off before. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, oh. like he uh, he knew about the man pond. Did we talk about the man pond on here, or was that gonna was that on the the live cast for the for the TFL live cast? I don't, it, it sounds like it was Will Iron Hand <laughs> Will saying it was him. That's fucking awesome. Good job, Will. If that was you. Congratulations, yeah, you, you earned it. You earned it, Will. Like, good lord, like that is probably. I know Will's listening live right now. Remember how he came up with the name for my event? For people who don't know, Will came up with Brothers and Blood. So to reward him, I'm gonna. We have custom posters made that been made by Kurt Metz, Lord Solar on DeviantArt, who makes fucking awesome posters. So he made me a traitor and loyalist poster with these. It's an Alpha Legion Dreadnought and a Raven Guard Dreadnought. It's cool posters. I told told Will for coming up with the name. I'll send him the posters. I talk, I got another guy that's making custom objective markers for my event. So you get a set of six, and they're going to be like buttons, and they're going to have either the uh, Alpha Legion. It's going to be that poster, but put onto a button as an objective marker, and everybody's getting a custom set. So I'm going to send Will... Since I'm already sending the posters, I'm going to send him a set of the objective markers, too. God bless it. He earned it. You earned it, Will. You earned it, everybody. He said he spent three days on the script. Is what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm so glad. Good I'm job. So glad. It's worth it. By the way, guys, if, it, it, for starters, Kurt, I'm glad you got your cat back. I saw that you, you lost it. Now it's back. I'm happy to hear that your cat is back safe home. Yep. Uh as well, guys, if you're looking for event posters or you're looking for an, a graphics artist that is 100% knowledgeable about 30K and 40K, uh, he designed our logo. He, had, he designed our posters for Stiff and our posters for uh, Alamo GT coming up. And he's designed tons of posters for Ryan that are hanging up all over. Like I, I got a bunch of them hanging up all over our office downtown. And like, if you need those, his his name's Lord Solar on DeviantArt, and he is open for commissions, guys. He is uh, give him a give him a PM and all that stuff. He's fantastic at what he does. You can give him like a decent idea of what you want, and he's gonna go ahead and knock it out. So, so rock and roll, guys. Give Kurt Kurt a, Kurt, a, Kurt a message. Shoot him a message. So. My cousin's dog is possessed by a demon. She's doing a fucking weird dance back here. That's why we're both confused. She's trying not to laugh, and I'm like, what the fuck is this weird? Anyway. It looks like uh, she's trying I'm... to shit. Like, I feel like I'm in, like, the perfect, <laughs> like... 
like it, I, I keep I kept looking because she's got that like weird like back like back hunch kind of thing, and like it's like she's ready to go. She's, she's trying to, to like, lay down like how dogs screw up their bed, but there's no bed, so she's like confused. She's like, there fuck, might fuck, actually fuck, be a dog fuck, bed fuck. in this closet, but <laughs> go grab her one of them blankets off the couch. Okay. <laughs> Hooray! Mundane conversations in the middle of the podcast. Okay, here's the next one. I don't know. Sorry, sorry for everybody, every runner-up after this last voicemail. Oh yeah, we should have played that one last. We should have known. We didn't know. We didn't know. Nobody knows. Hey guys, this is Ben. I had uh, sent a list in to you guys for Alpha Legion uh, about a month or so ago, about two or three episodes, asking you know, hey, this is my list. What would I change? You know, pretty much didn't change anything. Told me to buy a fire raptor. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Nonetheless, I uh, got my buddies who start playing a little bit with it, and he's playing salamanders. And, you know, I was, I was reading on the uh, book seven with the towns of the emperor with the custodes, and uh, like a dick, I took a shield captain. <laughs> and he, charged, he got charged by five fire drakes, thunder hammer, storm shields, and a predator set out to, like, you know, smash face. Took no damage. And, you know, it was, it was horrible. I felt honestly bad. Because it was, it, the math did not add up. It was two up armor, three up invuln, reroll the invuln. It just, he threw all these attacks at him. He's like, no, no damage. We're done. And they just, next turn was my turn again. And I just killed him. It was horrible. I felt honestly bad <laughs> for one guy killing this Death Star unit for 30k. If there's actually a, Really not Death Star, just Terminators, but still. See where I'm going? It's just... It's not fair, man. not fair. <laughs> not fair. <laughs> Stay in your lane. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> okay, so first of all, he said the math doesn't add up. The math perfectly adds up. That's a busted fucking unit. We talked about that when we broke down the Custodes thing, and I ex- expressly pointed that out, that that is probably the dumbest fucking unit in 30K. The Custode Shield Captain. <laughs> With that particular loadout, that's so brutal. That that shield captain what took on what's that four hundred points? Well, five stock fire drakes without any war gear at all is two seventy five, and then uh, it, the the standard uh, salamander praetor loadout's one ninety. If you give him like the cloak, you know, and what it, like by the time you give him whatever, he's riding at one ninety. So that's roughly 450 points without any upgrades on the Terminator. So if he upgraded the Terminators at all, it was over 500 points. Ugh. That's nuts, dude. Versus the Shield Captain, who's what? Like... I think he's 270 when you deck him out. And he's like, well, probably... I've heard of the Shield Captain doing basically that on top of killing a Primark at the same time. Like, killing, like... What, like... Here's my six Justarin and Horus or whatever, and the Shield Captain, like, kills all that. <laughs> Over a couple just, turns, I got it. It's all right. Don't need help. Brutal. If you have a, if you have a shield captain story that you'd like to share, give us a call. Tell us on our voicemail. We'd love to hear it. I don't know if he took the Tribune or not. The Tribune's the fucking super annoying one because he has Eternal Warrior. I would imagine he did. Well, if he took him as but an ally, need it. I think you can only take the standard shield captain as an ally. Yeah, he, he I could be wrong, it. though. I'm not going to... The rules are right here, but I give zero fucks about looking at Custodes rules. It makes my brain hurt, so... 
Here's the next one. Hey, cunts. Just swing, hey. <laughs> say hey, cunts. <laughs> hey, cacks. Did he say cocks or cunts? I think it was cunts. I can play it again. I'm pretty sure it was cocks. All right, I'm down. Cocks or cunts? What'd you hear? You didn't hear it? Okay, we're going to play a new game with my cousin Jessica. Cunts or cocks? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Cocks or Cunts, where you have to guess whether it's cocks or cunts. What was your guess? <laughs> I feel like I feel like it was cunts. Like, hey, cunts. Like, it was like a cunts. deep A-U, like C-A-U-N-T-C. S, N T S. Maybe cunt. it's both. Maybe it's like a cock with a cunt growing out of it, or vice versa, or something. I don't know. He invented well, a new thing. Regardless, thank you for that. That was Troy, dude. That was uh, that was actually you were talking about Troy earlier, uh, saying yeah. that he think he, Scott want to talk to him. So uh, serendipity, like he just comes up like that, and he apparently yeah. he had a some sort of uh, some sort of supernatural uh, ghost story from Iraq. I don't really understand. Like it's he said he was standing. It was a torso stand, like hand standing. And it was like walking around. I think he's yeah, no legs. So like running, that's fucking creepy. That's like some like I don't really watch that many horror movies, but that's like some like you know the ring shit, like a dis like a disembodied fucking 
ghost torso with no legs running on its hands like yoga pose across an airfield faster than a human can run? That's terrifying. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. And, like, what's crazier is, like, you don't, he didn't say anything, so, like, that thing's out there still. Like, there's no, like, it's, it's probably chasing him to his house right now, till this day. Troy, lock yeah. your doors. Yeah. Michael from Eye of Horus probably can't listen to this right now. He's probably having a stress panic attack. He does not like ghost stories going off their last Eye of Horus episode. Man, I haven't heard their last Eye of Horus episode, and I can't believe he doesn't like ghost stories. It seems like... I think he likes them, but he was like legitimately freaked out. There was like something like... Oh, I know what it was. It was the the movie three men and a baby with the fucking ghost in the curtains of that movie. That's like the legendary like child ghost. And Tim was showing him pictures of it and it was freaking Michael the fuck out. So maybe those are the legs behind the curtain from the disembodied torso that was in Iraq. I'm going to have to see this video. Tim, send me this video that you're, you're you can look it up. You can Google it, type in three men and a baby ghost and it'll come up. It's fucking super common. It's been around for a long time. Okay. I will look that up later. Three men and a baby, but I'm going to type that in now just to have it queued up. I'm really good at debunking ghost videos. So, so I I keep I keep threatening to come over here and visit. We got a haunted cemetery called Step Cemetery. Have you heard that? Did you hear that in high school? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, when I was in high school, it was this legendary story. We have this little cemetery that's 10 minutes from my house that's like out in the middle of like a state forest. It's kind of weird that there's a cemetery there and there's, you can look it up. It's S T E P P cemetery in Indiana and read all the stories about it. It's like a local legend here, but long story short, supposedly a ghost sits on this stump and watches over the graveyard because a loved one is buried in the graveyard. And it, uh, it was, it's a woman that was so distraught over her, loved one dying suddenly that she goes there every night and watches over the graveyard and supposedly she shows up around midnight so it was always a big dare when i was in high school to go to step cemetery and sit on the stump like around midnight like she was going to come chase you off the stump or whatever but this came up because tim was listening to some sasquatch fucking podcast that he listens to and a guy named ryan from indiana called in about a Sasquatch story from Morgan Monroe Park while he was at the Haunted Cemetery. <laughs> so if they ever come to visit, not only can they go to exactly where that Sasquatch sighting was, but they can see the Haunted Cemetery at the same time, which sounds something right up their alley. It's like, like 15 and I, minutes And I know house. that Ryan that... <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know. I might, but I, like it wasn't me. So check this out, man. I know this is probably like... We should... like Okay. Like, this is a very off-the-beaten track, but... So, for Tim for Tim out there, like, this whole explanation is only targeted to one person that listens to our podcast. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like... And I guess it's it's useful for the other people that listen to both our podcast and uh, the Eye of Horse podcast. But, uh... So, Tim, I know Michael doesn't listen to our podcast unless he does now, but he, you know, for last I heard... He was picking us up, but he wasn't. He's probably not quite there yet. Uh, so, the figure behind the curtains is a standee, a stand-up cardboard cutout used for advertising displays of Ted Danson dressed in a top hat, white shirt, and tails. 
that was left in front of the window on the set and thereby sneaked into the background of a scene. The standee prop was created as part of a storyline involving a dog food commercial in which Danson's character appears, but references to the figure were cut from the finished final version of the film. The standee shows up more than once in the film as Ted Danson can be seen standing next to it when the baby's mother comes to reclaim her child. So, it's not a ghost boy. It's a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson in the in the video. So, for those of y'all that all had this... Uh... You fucking ruined it. Like, couldn't you just let it go on? Like, it's way more fun to be a ghost boy. And then Michael's <laughs> like, oh, it's a fucking cardboard cutout, you assholes. It's so boring. <laughs> You're so boring. That's my life, dude. Hey, dude, you, you gotta debunk these things. You gotta just shut it the fuck down <laughs> before it gets too crazy. Like, if there's a way that I'm, I could not have a nightmare. I'm gonna do it. Like, it's like I can't. Like, there's certain things. You know, I know that somebody like, that listens to. Speaking of you being a dick, uh, a dick, I had somebody come up the other day that was working their way through back episodes, and even though it's been long in the past, they got mad at me about being friends with you when you spoiled the fucking Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure did. It's so funny. <laughs> It's like, God damn it. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people weren't happy about that. But anyway, there you go, Tim. It's a cardboard cutout. Uh, yeah. They even have pictures with the cardboard cutout if you look it up online. So uh, maybe we could send him a, in one of their care packages, send him a Tim is going to Eddie Bravo you and tell you it's bullshit because he's crazy. So let's just <laughs> leave it at that. That's what they want you to think. Black helicopters. FEMA camps. So anyway, next message. Next message. Hey, guys. It's me again. I'm going to talk a little bit slower this time. I'm like the last one about the uh, Custos beat stick against the Salamanders voicemail. <laughs> really slow this time. But no, seriously, I think we have a problem coming up with uh, 30K community in general. We're really splitting hairs and splitting each other. From the hobbyists and the guys really just enjoying the game to, well, it's the Games Workshop. I'm used to it. And that's honestly what it's coming down to. It's like you guys, we've, we've all spent hundreds, thousands of dollars on our books just to, you know, get there. And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, don't worry about what we said a few years ago. Here's new rules. And we're all panicking. We're all like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Screw Ford World because they're going to do what Games Workshop does. And we can't be having this. And it's just, the rules haven't even hit. Everybody's, oh, it's going to be Age of Sigmar style, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And that's not going to work with the rules that we have now. So that's why we're all like middle finger to Games Workshop, middle finger to Forge World because they're doing the same thing Dory's Workshop's doing. I don't need this crap. Flip a table. And hopefully my model's all on it because I can totally get some money off that on eBay. But that's, that's <laughs> what our concern is. We don't know what the rules are going to be. They may be similar to Age of Sigmar. And then that means possibly our books are out of date and useless. They may be more along lines of 6th or 5th edition, or hopefully more like 5th edition, because that actually kind of makes sense. But we don't know yet. And that's the thing we're at right now is we've heard H. Sigmar, but it may not be. We've heard other things, it may not be. Grain of salt for the entire time until the rules drop. And then at that point in time, then we set fire to Forge World. <laughs> yeah, set fire to the cakes. That's what we'll do. Yes, we'll sand them flaming cakes. Let them eat <laughs> cakes. cakes. 
I'm a fan. I'm a fan. If if they do it, I'm a giant fan of raiding Games Workshop Memphis headquarters, stealing all the product, then going and throwing it in Chesapeake Bay. We'll just reenact the fucking Boston Tea Party, but with Games Workshop product, since they're a British company. Wow, Kick the party that off like, that's like time. a real like. It just says no taxation without representation. Fuck your vat, and then it's like throw <laughs> throw it in. Yep, throw it in straight up. We'll just leave out the part where we dress up like Native Americans because today that's cultural misappropriation, and we're not allowed to do that. But other than that, we can reenact it. Yeah, we'll be like uh, we'll be culturally neutral and politically appropriate. While we yeah. do it, so that's the name of that's the name of the game on this show. We always look out for stuff like that. Take the it from parallels us. of that of the Boston Tea Party. If we were to do that, are pretty striking, actually. So, oh, well. for those of you listeners that just listen to us talk about is it a cock or a cunt, just know that we are um, politically correct. <laughs> we'll always be politically correct. So, yeah. I mean, what what can we do? I mean, if you if if they do come out with some stuff that we don't like, the only thing we could do is not support the product. That's the only that's the only logical next step. But you know, yeah. But we just talked about it. We it takes had a, a village million. It takes a village. It takes a village, and it sounds like uh, sounds like we don't have to worry about it at least for now, anyway. So good to go. Good to go. G two G boys. G two G. Well, that's it for voicemails, man. That's all we got in that realm. Uh, they were pretty that's good it. this week, man. I'm pretty happy. If you guys want to leave a voicemail, you can give us a call at uh, 209-209-RFI-30K0. I know a lot of people also go to our Facebook page directly, Radio First Devon, and it has like the little call now button, and that's a lot easier uh, than trying to decipher the impossible code that is numbers to letters on your phone. I get it. Uh, people always ask me all the time what the actual number is, and I won't give it. You need to learn. You're old enough. Um, so anyway, if you're a, an international caller and you don't want to uh, spend a couple dollars on that uh, international toll that you would call you would cost to send us a voicemail, you can send it to our emails. Uh, that's Michael at Warhammer30k.com or Ryan at Warhammer30k.com. Just record it, pop it over to us, and we'll play it. It's a good time. So, so it, you brought that up, Kieran Douglas, the guy that's a really mega awesome painter from Australia that helped gave me advice on my Black Shield army. Yeah, he would. We wrote him that cool Alpha Legion list, and he remember he's missing that Dreadnought drop pod. So I sent him one that I had laying around. And I, while I was sending it, I went ahead and did the culture, a mini cultural exchange, and threw in some fucking snacks and shit to him. Yeah. Yeah. So he he already ate. I put like a couple butterfingers in there. Those are fucking gone. He devoured those. Uh, yeah, of course. What else did? Yeah. So anyway, stuck to the top of his teeth right now, stuck to probably the still of his stuck mouth as we speak. Yeah, to this day. So anyway, he ate all that. So I'm waiting on feedback for that. So I told him he needs to because he listens to the show. So I know he's hearing this. He needs to call in. Well, I told him to call, but he was like, "Oh, I can't call because this and that." I'm like, "Well, just record it." So. It's reminding me when you said that. So, Kieran, if you're listening, uh, write down, take notes as you eat the food. Take notes and call or, you know, call, quote unquote, call. Just 
record a record something and send it to us via email and we'll play it out and get your ranking on all the treats and what you think about stuff which What'd would be fun what you send them like what what are we what are we talking about here was so there, i sent him reese's, I sent him three, reese's eggs i sent three cereals i sent captain crunch cinnamon toast crunch and fuck i'm drawing a blank on the other one what was the other one captain okay, crunch kieran, kieran just watch out for the captain crunch Make sure it's got a good like. Make sure it's it, it's it's absorbed the water before you eat it. Uh, milk, because you will, or the the milk, because you will cut the roof of your mouth if you don't. That's part of the experience, bro. No, you gotta, you can't, you gotta. You, they don't put those labels of warning on there. In in America, when you're we know, done, we've known when from you're birth. Done, you should have blood <laughs> running down your chin, and your teeth should be loose. Hundred percent. You've done it <laughs> fucking wrong if you didn't do that. <laughs> if you don't feel the top skin of the roof of your mouth peeling <laughs> off after after you've eaten your Captain Crunch, then you you you've done it wrong. You've yeah. let it sit in the milk too long. So, what candies did you send him? Butterfingers is just gonna get stuck Penny in his back fingers, for years. Butterfingers, a payday. Um, payday. I think I had a. Yeah, I love payday. You and peanuts, dude. Like you, like. Well, like you whatever. Fucking like peanuts. Leave me alone. I was, you asked. I was like. I was like. Oh, I get it. I get it. You're sending him both sides of the spectrum. You gotta like. You gotta set him down. Like to to let him get picked up. I get it. But okay, payday. <laughs> All right. Whatever. It's like, look, we have know we, we have shitty candy too. Like. <laughs> I sent him a Nestle Nestle Crunch bar. Um, what was it? Nestle Crunch, maybe like a Baby Ruth or something. I sent him another candy bar. I sent him combo pizza combos. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. So that was the other thing he ate. He liked the pizza. He said he ate like a couple pizza combos. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna try a couple pizza combos, and fucking ate the whole bag. I guess, or he said he like <laughs> couldn't put them down. I sent him. The kettle, the Indiana popcorn, the kettle corn, and then the Indiana popcorn uh, white cheddar version. Combos, candy bars, cereal. I think that was pretty much it. I couldn't, I didn't, because I had like a smaller box because I only needed to send the drop pod, and I just piled what fit in there. So I sent him all that stuff. I wish I could remember the third cereal. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was like Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles or something. I don't remember. Ooh, Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles would be choice. So, either one of those options would have been on point. So, let me start putting uh, Reese's eggs in all in all cultural exchange boxes. Reese's eggs. I thought about sending him a a Cadbury egg because they had because it was like, you know, close to Easter or whatever, and I there was Cadbury eggs everywhere, but I don't know if they have those over there or not. Yeah, they don't have Nestle, so no, they wouldn't. Is Cadbury Nestle's? I believe so. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So, Karen, good luck. Good luck with your mouth. Uh, time for lists. Let's go on to some lists. Oh, right here. So, first things first, going on to the first list we got here. It's a 2,500-point Solar Auxilla list, and this comes from Bruce. And Bruce says, Ryan, 
Attached, you'll find a list I have written up for my new Solar Auxilla army. I'm starting, and I would like some help streamlining it and making sure it would be something that would be fun to play with and against. I've never played with the Auxilla before, but I'm not new to the 30k scene. I have over 5,000 points of Ravengar, but I wanted to try something different than my beloved 19th. So I figured, tanks. Also, everyone in my rather small heresy scene in Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina, has multiple Legion armies, so I wanted a bit different when it came down to my own, my own second army. Honestly, I'm not sure if the list I will play. I figure the APCs will go forward with infantry all loaded up in them, supporting the Lehman Russes and Malkadors that are moving forward as well, and leave the foot-slogging rifle sections in the backfield and to hold the line, or move up if the situation becomes dire enough to warrant such an action. Getting whatever models you suggest is not a problem, so if you decide to change my list entirely to make it cooler, go for it. Love what you guys are doing for the community, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Bruce. So Bruce's list that he sent in is a Legate Commanding Officer. It's a Lord Marshal with a Charnable Saber, a Grav Wave Generator, Displacer Matrix, and Artificer Armor, and Meltabots. Okay. Hmm. Michael has the hiccups. Yeah, it happens. It's Karma Painting back for making fun of Paydays, motherfucker. <laughs> paydays make fun of themselves. Uh, so then he took hey, a Jessica. tactical... Bring me some of that Oreo cake so I can eat it in front of Michael while he can't have any while we're recording the podcast. Oh, I got Oreo cake myself, bro. I got Oreo pie. Not that my wife made. <laughs> you know what? Not that my uh, wife. It'll, it'll, it'll suffice. So then he took a tactical command squad, which is veterans with grenade launchers and melt-a-gun, and a strategist with a charitable saber. Uh, looks like both of them are riding in a Dracozin with dozer blade, demolisher cannon, and multi-laser. And then he took a tank commander. Uh, that tank commander is going to be riding in a Malkador, uh, which is taking the battle cannon, demolisher cannon, last cannon side spawns, a multi-laser, pentagon multi-laser, dozer blade, flare shield, armored ceramite, and the siege armor. Uh, in his troop selection, he has a last rifle section with blast chargers, troop master. Then he has a Vilataris Storm section with Volkite Chargers, Shroud Bombs, and a Prime with Melta Bombs. And then he has they, uh, the Vilataris squad is loaded up in a Dracozin with Dozer Blade, Demolisher Cannon, and Multi Laser. Uh, he took that choice twice. So that's going to be two Last Rifle sections with Blast Chargers and a Troop Master. And two Velatar Storm sections with Volkite Chargers, Shroud Bombs, and a Prime Melt Bombs. And so two Dracozins with uh, Dozer Blade, Demolisher Cannon, and Multi Laser. Uh, so altogether, it looks like it's two foot slogging last rifle sections and two Velatar Storm sections mounted up in Dracozins. Uh, in his fast attack choice, he took a Lehman Rust Battle Strike Squadron, or Lehman Rust Strike Squadron, which is a Lehman Rust with a Battle Cannon, Last Cannon, Multi Laser, and Dozer Blade. And then he took a Lehman Russ Assault Squadron, which is a Lehman Russ with Demolisher Cannon, Last Cannon, Multi-Laser, Dozer Blade. And under the Heavy Support Choice, he took a Malkador Infernus with a Chemical cam Ammunition, Heavy Flamer Side Sponsons, Armored Ceramite, and a Multi-Laser. So, altogether, it looks like he's rocking and rolling with three Dracozins, two Malkador Chassis Vehicles, two Lehman Rust chassis vehicles, 
and then two foot slogging last rifle sections. So, uh, what did you change, Ryan? What'd you change up? Hang on, I'm really busy eating this cake. I don't know if I can talk right <laughs> yeah, now. No, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, real quick, what before we get into what I did in the list, did you did you notice any? I mean, you used to kind of play Solar Ox. Do you know anything like right off the notice anything right off the bat? It's kind of a little, if you don't really know Solar Ox well, you maybe wouldn't identify it like right off the bat as like, you should never do this. Like, it makes no sense. It's like the option shouldn't even exist for you to take it. Uh, the Battle Cannon on the Malkador? Nope. Uh, the, the Siege Armor on the Malkador? Nope. It's on almost every tank in the list. Oh, the Demolisher Cannon? Nope. No. Okay. No. Um, dozer blades because dozer every blades solar on the super heavies. Yeah. Oh no. no. Oh no. They... Yeah. Yeah. Tell. Tell them at home. Uh, so all of the uh, all of the Dracosins are, man. What is that rule? Uh, every every solar auxiliary tank has the explored. Yep. Upgrade. So they must. They they have a special rule where they must re-roll failed. Difficult terrain test, which is what a dozer blade does, but it's built in to literally every solar auxilla vehicle for free. It's just part of their rules. So that should save you 5, 10, 15, 20 points right there. Out the gate. Well, he's got two Lehman Russes and then on three Dracosans and then on the Malkador, which is a double whammy because it's a you don't heavy. need it because it's super heavy and then also don't need it because it's solar auxilla. So, so that's a big thing. The other thing, um, on things that have that aren't super heavy, so like the Dracosans aren't super heavies, um, and then even the Lehman Russes aren't super heavies, you shouldn't put multi-lasers on them. Because when you fire your main gun, which is the purpose of taking them, you have to snap fire all of their guns because they're ordnance and they're not super heavy. So those multi-lasers are like 10 or 15 points per multi-laser, and you got... One, two, three, four, five in the list that if you fire the other guns on the tank, you're going to be snap firing that multi-laser. So Ouch. it's just a good... So it's just... So between that and the dozer blades, I mean, you can save like enough points to like almost take a whole other unit just by dropping those upgrades, which aren't going to be very useful to you. So I was just throwing that out there, regardless of what he does with the list or takes my advice, like those are some changes that he should 100% make regardless of nothing else. Pin them out of pin them out of multi lasers. What ten points? Um, hang on, I got it here because I put it on the Malkador. I think it's ten. Let me see. Yeah, it's ten points. So you'd save thirty from the dozer blades, and then another ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. So eighty yep. points altogether saved by just removing, yep. like, just by list trimming, like, not even going into like further like things that aren't useful. Yep. Eighty points hidden inside there yeah good job okay so what'd you do all right so this is what i did i clipped your own thing so i beefed up his lord marshal like if you're going to go ahead and take a lord marshal the lord marshal because when you take him you get to choose your warlord trait and most most people will take eternal warrior unless you have like another battle plan built in where you're going to take like the turn one shrouded or whatever but most people who take a Lord Marshal take the Eternal Warrior one, I've noticed. When you do that, he's actually pretty sneaky. 
survivable and actually pretty killy. So I would give him something better if you're going to go Lord Marshall than just a Charnable Saver. And I freed up all these other points by trimming stuff. So what I did, I took a Lord Marshall. He's got Artificer Armor, Paragon Blade, Iron Halo, Melt Bombs, Digital Lasers, Grav Wave Generator, and Cyber Familiar. So he's going to be a two up, three up with uh, four attacks, on, or sorry, five attacks on the charge with a Paragon Blade. And then he gets that grav, grav wave generator uh, when you charge in, you know, it reduces your range or whatever. And then if you go the route of Eternal Warrior, he's going to be a three-wound guy with Eternal Warrior, so he's going to be pretty hard to remove. So, pre pretty de decent character. He's very equivalent. In a lot of ways, he's even... Because he's Eternal Warrior, um, and he's got a three-up invul, which are both semi-rare, he's better than a lot of Praetor builds in a Marine Army, honestly. Did you did you take the Displacer Matrix out as well? I got rid of it. I don't like the rules on it. The rules don't make any sense. It's another one of those things on the Cake FAQ, and this is still going to give him a three-up invul, and he's going to avoid a lot of arguments on how the fucking piece of war gear works that literally no one knows how it works. Because it says if you roll a one, you fucking get displaced or whatever, but it doesn't say whether or not you actually... You roll a one, so you fail the save, but it says when you fail the save, you're teleported. So does the teleportation take place of failing, of losing okay. the wound? Or do you lose the, like, it doesn't, the way it's worded, it doesn't, you can read into it either way. That you don't, it's, you don't take the wound, and instead you're just teleported. Right. Or do you take the wound and then you're teleported? It doesn't. And then if you take a wound that doubles you out, you don't have Eternal Warrior, are you insta-killed? before you teleport yeah i get like I get, I get yeah it's it's a fucking mess it's like it's another one of those things it's like jesus man like this this i always like the table. idea of it because all your last rifle sections have that nuncio and so like because he has to deep strike in and so yeah. it's like poof, he's gone and then you just like teleport into a unit and he's like i was here the whole time like i wasn't running yeah like, well, it's a good idea, and it's a throwback to the old uh, Displacer Field from Second, which was a three-up invulnerable save. But the the way it worked is, I believe, when you actually made the save, it teleported you out of the way. Yeah. Because that's how it saved you. Like it it in the fluff, it picked up incoming bullets, and then it just moved you out of the path of the bullet. That's how it worked. But it was a three-up save that teleported you. It's from Second Ed. Gotcha. Um. So anyway, yeah, but if you go um, Cyber Familiar uh, Iron Halo, it still gives you a 3-up invul save, and then you don't have to worry about any of the fucking teleportation rules argument shit, and it accomplishes the same thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think for five more points. I think, what's the displacer thing? Do you know? Uh, expensive? Uh, I want to say like 20 points. Yeah, I think, so the... This guy, I think a Cyber Familiar is 10 and a Iron Halo is 15, so it's 25 to do that. So I think it's five points cheaper to do the Displacer thing. But I would rather just spend the five extra points and accomplish the same thing, not have to worry about the teleportation thing and not have to worry about arguing with anyone or even, like, hurting my head trying to think about how it works. <laughs> so, anyway, so I took his... um. Same tactical command squad. Um, it's 15. I don't know that these... Okay. So I don't know that these guys are like a super awesome choice in the game, 
but they, the models are cool. So I just left him in. Like he sounds like he's just playing with buddies and wanted something fun to play against and something cool. So um, I really like these models. Like the guy with all the fucking tell. Like they're just cool models. So and they're not that expensive. So yeah, I'll leave them in. So he's got. So it's basically the same tactical command squad that he has. I, I left the Chernobyl Saber on the, the Stratagos. Um, the only thing I changed was I... It's a weird... Because only only two guys in the unit get special weapons, and he had one guy with a melt gun one guy with a grenade launcher. And one's only 12-inch range, one's 24, and then one... Like, it's just kind of a goofy thing. So I was like, I just gave them both grenade launchers. Because the grenade launchers come with the haywire rounds to smack vehicles but they also have like the ones that are good at decent at killing infantry or whatever and they're cheaper than the melt the gun and then they're gonna have the same range as the other grenade launcher and just makes more sense just to make it unified so (laughs) that's why i did so it's the same unit that he had i just but i made both guys grenade launchers um they still have a dedicated oh sorry go ahead i like why he did that though why he did the grenade launcher and the melt gun uh, Why? Because because that's how they're modeled, like in the in oh. the Forge world, like that's okay. You get one grenade yeah. launcher guy and you get one melted gun guy in the kit. So I get it. I feel oh, okay. Him. He's like, I got this. I, I get got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I changed it in the list, but I guess he he can change it back if he wants. But that's why I did that. Um, then they're in a dedicated Dracosian armored transport that just has hull-mounted demolisher cannon and armored ceramite. So basically did what I said earlier and got rid of the dozer blade and the multi-laser because you don't need... The one would have to snap fire and the dozer blade is literally absolutely pointless because you already have that ability built in for free. Um, then I took uh, his tank commander, which is just a base tank commander, and then all the way down... We'll go ahead and skip to it because the tank commander has to be assigned to tank. All the way down in the heavy support t- section, I took a Malkador tank with demolisher cannon, two sponsor mounted last cannons, flare shield, armored ceramite, panel mounted multi laser, and siege armor. So his exact same tank. I just left it the same as how he had it. Um, then for troops, I have his uh, last rifle section. So it's just the 20 guys. And then I upgraded them to the blast chargers like he has them. Um, he has them upgraded to troop masters. I didn't bother with that. I just left them the base 125 points. I'll get to why here in a minute. Um, then for the the second troop choice in the in the or sorry, so the the first troop choice is the Terraco, and then within the Terraco you have the Laz rifle section. Then the second piece of the Terraco is a Velatar storm section. And I just gave the sergeant melt bombs and nothing else. So I got rid of the shroud bombs. They're 25 extra points. I just, they're not going to save you. If you get these guys assaulted by pretty much even just, you know, tactical Marines, you're still going to get the shit beat out of you, whether they have that extra attack or not. So I just, I don't really see the point, like just save those points. So basically just got rid of the shroud bombs on them. Um, they also have a dedicated Dracosan with hull-mounted demolisher cannon and armored ceramite. And then for the second troop's choice, I took an identical Terraco. So 20 laser rifle guys, laser rifle guys with blast chargers. Uh, um, and then Velatar storm section, sergeant with melt bombs, and then a Dracosan with demolisher cannon and armored ceramite. 
So that's your two troops. For elites, I was able to fit in a uh, an entire battery of multi-laser rapiers. So it's three uh, rapier carriers with multi-lasers. I don't know if you've ever fought against these things or seen them in action, but the multi-laser ones I'm are using. dirt fucking cheap. Super yeah. effective for the points. So through cutting all these little things, I ended up being able to upgrade his uh, Lord Marshal that we already went over and still had 105 points. And I was that's I was able to squeeze this entire rapier unit in just by shaving these things that we're talking about. So anyway, on to fast attack. So uh, I have a Lehman Rust Strike Squadron. I swapped him over to a Vanquisher instead of a normal Lehman Rust. Because once again, if you go back to a normal Lehman Rust, it has a battle cannon, which is ordnance, which means the last cannon that he put on the hull will have to snap fire. And it also can't really blow up any vehicles because it's only AP3, so you can't get that explodes result. And he's got a ton of anti-infantry in the list with the Malkador and Furnace and all the demolisher cannons and the battle cannon on the... So I just didn't feel like a battle cannon was needed. So I switched it to a Vanquisher and left the last cannon on the hull, and he'll be able to shoot both at full ballistic skill because the Vanquisher cannon is heavy. For the second fast attack choice, I took an identical Vanquisher, so a second Lehman Rust Strike Squadron, so it's a Vanquisher with last cannon on the hull. And then for heavy support, I have the Malkador, which we've already went over earlier. It's the same that he had it. And then the Malkador and Furnace with uh, Inferno Gun with chemical ammunition two Sponson-mounted multi-lasers, um, armored ceramite, and a panel-mounted multi-laser. So the only difference from his and mine is that I got rid of the heavy flamer side Sponson and put another put multi-lasers on there to match the one on the top. So you... Like, the heavy flamer, you're never going to get to use that thing. Like, you don't want anyone close enough to your Malkador and Furnace to have to use a heavy flamer. Right. Even so, and then the... No, you're good. Good. So it's like, and then also you got the pinnel mounted uh, multi-laser on top. So it's like all those guns will match ranges and what, and you're going to want to usually shoot the Infernus at infantry. So having multiple multi-lasers is also good to add to that to kill infantry. Um, And then if you measure out that big fucking template, plus it's 18 inch torrent, it's roughly going to give you this, all the guns on the tank will all be roughly the same 36 inch range. So it just kind of makes it uniform in its purpose and what it does. So that's pretty much what I changed. So it's very extremely similar to what he had. I just cut a lot of war gear that I think he can get away without using that he's not going to get use out of. Swap the Russes over to better variants. That's also going to allow you to use those last cannon upgrades. And then with the extra points, made the commander just better like just overall better build on his Lord Marshal and then had points left over to fit an entire unit of multi-laser rapiers in. Rock and roll, dude. I, I like every bit of it. The I, I like the rapiers. Uh, I love the Vanquisher. Like, makes total sense with the Vanquisher on there, uh, especially since it's going to be taking last cannons. And then... So the... The only thing was he said, I want something that's fun to play against. A lot of people fucking hate the Malkador and Furnace, and immediately when they see one, they roll their eyes, whether you have one or two or whatever. Like, it really rustles jimmies. So he may consider... um, It's 350 points. You could just get... 
you could switch it out for like a Valador or um take another normal Malkador or maybe take some other Russes or maybe take like uh some more another Dracosin with some infantry and then maybe throw a Thunderbolt plane in or something if you wanted to. I left it in his list to keep it with his original idea, but um and he could buy all these, but you might buy a couple extra models that are like roughly the same points as the Infernus so that if you want to swap it out, you can and have an option to do so. It's also pretty difficult also, to find something to fill that void <laughs> once you, like if you remove the Malkador Infernus, like it doesn't like, there's not much that can compete with it, like to, for its points value and everything like that. Like it's a, well, no, it's a very like specialized unit. That's very good at what it does. So, yeah, nobody likes to play yeah. it because it's very good at what it does, which is munch, yeah. gunching up infantry. Yep. And then if your vanquishers are fucking popping everybody's transports, Jesus. <laughs> like. <laughs> so. Solid list, man. I like it. I dig it a lot. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. Big fan of uh, multi-laser rapiers, too. Yeah, they're a cool model, too. And they're unique that only the Solar Ox get to take them, I think. So it's kind of neat to run them. I used to run them with a Navigator. And that way I could snap shoot at people that deep strike. And since they're twinked. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Get a ton of shots. So, anyway. Next list on the, on the list here is a 3,000-point Coil of the Hydra list. So, let's go ahead and see what we got here. This comes from Matthew. Matthew says, I have an army list for you and Michael to review if you can. It's a 3,000-point Alpha Legion Coil of the Hydra list. I feel like I found an effective list that breaks away from the usual prescription of taking the Infiltrate Mutable Tactic and Siege Tyrant's Rewards of Treason option that every other Coil's list seems to have. I hope this to test drive this in a few weeks. Anyways, a big fan of the show, and thanks for taking a look. Matt from Seattle. The idea behind this list is to maximize the benefits of Armless Dynats, the Harrowing, the plus one vehicle damage table rolls while in the enemy deployment zone, and re-rolling sweeping advance rolls by focusing on eliminating enemy armor with extreme prejudice. Okay, so his first HQ choice is going to be Armless Dynat with a five-man command squad. That five-man command squad are all armed with Chernobyl Sabres, Volkite Chargers. They got a dedicated Proteus with a Pintle-mounted Multimelta and the Augury Web, which is very rarely seen. Uh, then he took a Chaplain, uh, and that Chaplain's in Artificer Armor, Jump Pack, Meltabomb, and a Power Axe. And in his third HQ choice, he took a Vigilator with Scout Armor. Then in his troop choice, he took three tactical squads. The first tactical squad's uh, sergeant has a Power Fist, Power Dagger. They're mounted in a dedicated Rhino with a Pencil-Mounted Multimelta and a Desert Blade. The second tactical squad, the sergeant's mounted where he's loaded out with a Power Fist and a Power Dagger. They are also in a dedicated Rhino with a Dozer Blade and Multimelta. And actually, looking at it now, it looks like every squad is... There's three tactical squads, and each squad is loaded out that way. 
Uh, in his elite choice, he took a Reaver attack squad with Rewards of Treason. Uh, so that's how he could take it. Uh, the sergeant has the Reaver sergeant has a power fist and a power dagger. Then in the unit, there's another individual with a power fist. There's three power swords, three melted guns, artificer armor, chain axes, and jump packs. Ten chain axes and jump packs. So I'm guessing the sergeant has that artificer armor on there. Yep. I'd say 465 point unit, by the way. Yeah, I could. I see that. That's a lot of a lot of upgrades, just to kill some tanks. Uh, then he took in his second elite choice. He took the an apothecary, which goes with the Reaver squad, and it's an art. He's an artificer armor, and he has a jump pack. And then he took another apothecary that's going with the command squad. And by the way, the chaplain's no, no, no. also going with that Reaver squad. He kind of put that weird. You can't have both the jump pack and artificer armor. One of the apothecaries on foot has the artificer armor. One and one of them has the jump pack. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then his next elite choice, he took a Tatara's Terminator squad. Uh, the sergeant has a power dagger, chain fist. There's three power fists in the unit, a chain fist in the unit, a plasma blaster in the unit, and Volkite chargers on four of the other guys. And they're deep striking using the Warlord trait. Uh, then in his fourth elite choice he's taking a veteran tactical squad with commie meltas he's taking five of them i'm guessing they're gonna be machine killers and then under his fast attack choice he'll be taking a lightning with twin linked auto cannons phosphex bomb cluster and battle servitor control he's taking two of those twin linked auto cannons then in his second fast attack choice he's going to take a dread claw this is where the veterans are going in and in his First heavy support choice and second heavy support choice, he's taking both Vindicator laser destroyers. So this list entirely is 100% dedicated to killing tanks. So Well, I don't know if the Reaver attack squad is. You got a power fist in there. Uh, yeah, you're right. So... Let's see. The notes he wrote is, The Vigilator plays an interesting role in this list. If the enemy is not careful during deployment, they could potentially leave a corner of their deployment zone open for a Vigilator to infiltrate into. This means that the Vigilator's sabotage attack would both have Tank Hunter and the Harrowing bonus. This stands a strong chance of getting first blood during the deployment phase by killing a Whirlwind, Rhino, or even a Contemptor Dreadnought. The veteran squad is intended to destroy something big by dropping in turn one and benefiting from the machine destroyer, tank hunter, and the harrowing as penetrating hits have a 50% of causing an explosion. Uh, turn two, the reaver assault squad with the chaplain and apothecary roll in from outflank and directly into the enemy's deployment zone and sweep through it in a wave of destruction. With lots of tank hunting, power fists, and melted gun attacks, nothing is safe. The Terminators also deep strike in with and the pro, with and the Proteus with the command squad should be approaching enemy territory at this time to provide threat saturation. While the Proteus does not have the assault ramp, it does help the Reavers and Terminators come in reliably. Um, so that the command squad can unload and survive a turn unprotected before charging in. If the enemy is running reserve heavy, the option for running the Proteus in its disruption mode 
is also there giving the enemy reserve rolls minus two when combined with a ride of war bonus. The lightning has an unusual loadout. I realize that the list didn't have any reliable anti-air support, so the lightning is designed just to do that. The phosphix bombs allow a little bit of, add a little bit of versatility so that it can drop them onto any target opportunities it flies over as it's chasing down enemy flyers. Overall, I think it's a very hard-hitting list that puts many units in the enemy deployment zone quickly to benefit from all from all aspects of the harrowing. With that much pressure, the tactical squads are free to play conservatively and find objectives secure. So what'd you change up, Brian? Okay. So he said he's going to try this out in a couple weeks, so I'm guessing he has all these models. Okay. So... Yeah. It was like one of those things where it's like I could pat him on the back and say, good job, bud. You already have all this stuff and be done with it. Pray you don't play against but the Death Army. <laughs> yeah, but I felt like that was boring. So I actually changed a lot in this list. I tried to keep his idea and change a lot. And it's one of those cases where he may not, the changes may be so drastic that it may like be like, well, I'm never going to do that. But that being said, I would like him to hear me out and just go through some things and maybe he'll pick up on a couple things that he likes and adopt some of it, maybe all of it, whatever. But I'm just throwing this out there. And this will also be good for other Alpha Legion guys um, to, to see what I did and why I did it. So I'm going to go through the list, and then when I get to the end of it, I'll talk about why I changed the things I changed. So HQ is our Millis Dynat, just like he has it. Second HQ is a chaplain with power at the free power weapon he gets is an axe. And he's got artificer armor, melt bombs, and a jump pack. The third HQ is a vigilator with scout armor, power weapon, melt bombs, jump pack. The first troop's choice is exactly like how he had his guys. So it's just 10 basic tacticals. The sergeant has artificer armor, power fist, power dagger, and they're in a rhino with dozer blade, pedal mounted, multi-melta. And I took that three times, just like he did. So three of that exact same unit. For elites, I have two apoth... What'd you say? I said bam, bam, bam. Okay. Yep. So for elites, I have two apothecaries. They're armed the exact same way as his. So it's an apothecary with the jump pack and a second apothecary with... Artificer armor. Uh, for second elites, I have eight Space Marine veterans. Seven of them have combi meltas. Two of two of some two of those guys have power weapons. I would recommend axes, but you can go whatever. One of them has a nuncio box, and then the sergeant has artificer armor, combi melta, power fist, power dagger. Um, this third elite choice is. Uh, five Tartaros Terminators. Um, three of them have combi plasmas. One of them has a plasma blaster. Um, three of them have power fists. One of them has a chain fist. And then the sergeant has combi plasma, chain fist, power dagger. For the fourth uh, elite choice, I took his coils of the Hydra unit. And I swapped it from Reaver Attack Squads to 10 Dark Furies from Raven Guard. The Chooser or the Slain has Melta Bombs. So every single one of those guys has 
rending mastercrafted lightning claws. Um, and they're, uh, they have some other rules that we'll get to in a second. For fast attack, I took an Anvilus Dreadclaw, which is where the eight vets, um, Dynat, and the on-foot Apothecary go. So that's ten guys. They all fit in the Dreadclaw. For the second fast attack choice, I took a Xiphon Pattern Interceptor instead of his Lightning. Uh, for the third fast attack choice, I took eight Seekers, eight Legion Seekers, Um all eight of them have combi meltas. The sergeant also has artificer armor and melta bombs on top of his combi melta. And they took a dedicated Proteus with dozer blade, armored ceramite, exploratory web. So, because the. So basically, he had a command squad in his army, which I'm not a huge fan of command squads. They're really pretty expensive for what they do, and they don't score. So right. with right. with those points, I switched. Basically, instead of the command squad, I put the Seekers in, which Seekers score. Implacable. Uh, yeah. And they can, they're one of the few infantry units that can take a dedicated Proteus right out of the box, which fulfills the requirements of Coils of the Hydra, where... All your infantry units are in either deep striking or in a dedicated transport, which allows him to still take tank hunter. The land raider Proteus with the exploratory augury web scouts. So he'll be able to scout the land raider 12. And then when the game starts, move it up six, get the guys out six, and then shoot something with a bunch of combi meltas. Um, so it'll still work out. And then the seekers have the other ammo to fall back on. Plus they'll score and all that. I swap the lightning over to the Xiphon because the way he has the lightning, he's basically tried to deck it out pure for pure anti-air. A base Xiphon interceptor is the same points cost as the loadout that he has this lightning. And a Xiphon is going to be better at what he wants than this lightning will. And also, the Xiphon is just going to be better. He wanted a list that had better anti-tank. The Xiphon is just going to be better anti-tank all around at units on the ground and units in the air. So it just performs the role that he wanted better than his Lightning. All day. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Um, the Dark Furies are only 330 points versus the 465 points to the Reaver Attack Squad. So with the points difference, I was able to squeeze an entire chaplain in with a jump pack. So you're putting a chaplain with jump pack um, and artificer armor in with the Dark Furies. I'm, ten Dark Furies with a chaplain will is way better than this Reaver unit. It's just better. I, I And when you think about it, because all those lightning calls are rending... You, you have a chance, when you roll a six, you're automatically going up to um, strength, uh, damn it, strength 10, and then you're getting an additional D3. So you can, you can uh, glance armor 13 or pin armor 12 or whatever, but because the whole army is going to have tank hunter, so will these guys, so you get to re-roll all that. And then if you manage to do it while in the enemy deployment zone, they can also explode vehicles. You know, because of Dynanat's rule. So right. it does what his Reaver... It's going to be better at killing infantry than this Reaver unit, and also better at killing vehicles, which is the point of it. 
Um, then the Terminators, he had Volkite Chargers on him before. You can take uh, combi weapons for the exact same points as the Volkite Charger. So I switched them all over to combi plasmas because he's going tank hunter. So it's going to yeah. give him the option of either shooting those at infantry or vehicles because the tank hunter makes that viable. And then also it's going to make him AP1 if he deep strikes him into the enemy deployment zone. Versus vehicles. The, yeah. So the, the the vets with all the Meltas, I made the squad for, I took it from five to eight. And that's where Dynat's going to go now because Dynat has the, um, the fucking thing that makes your ballistic skill plus one. Uh, the Cognitive Signum. Right. Okay. Sorry. So you'll he'll go he'll ride down in the pod with them, jump out. He'll use the Cognitive Signum to make these guys ballistic skill five. They'll shoot something with all those combi meltas, which have tank hunter, and then get plus one. So they're essentially effectively AP zero. You're adding plus three to the damage table, which is crazy. And then one of those vets has a Vox. So when your Terminators become available, turn two they can come in off the Vox in that unit and not scatter and then follow up in a second wave of attack with all those combi plasmas. So I, I left the Vigilator in because he, he likes that little trick of infiltrating him into the deployment zone and getting all those like D6 hits or whatever to blow up a vehicle. So I left that in. That being said, he could swap this over to a Saboteur, which is similar the saboteur does his single hit when he comes in, where the vigilator just does D6 hits during deployment. If you do the saboteur, you can almost guarantee you're coming into their deployment zone, and then you auto-score a pin that's AP2, which becomes AP1 due to Dynat. So he could swap that over if he wanted to do that. If he wants to stick with the vigilator, I gave the vigilator a jump pack because, like he said, if his opponent knows what he's doing and sets it up where he can't infiltrate the Vigilator, you can then just join the Vigilator to the um, the fucking uh, Dark Furies. And the cool thing about that is the Vigilator comes stock standard with Cameo Line. So if you deep strike the Dark Furies, they they get a 5-plus cover save on the turn they arrive. Just They just gain one. That's part of their special rules. And then... Because he has cameo line, it increases that to a four up. So they'll get a four up cover save in the open on the turn that they deep strike. Dig it. Heck yeah. Um, or even if he's just with them, if you jump into like ruins, so say you're trying to, you start him on the board and you're just trying to get him close. Um, if you have that vigilator in there, it gives them stealth. So if you like jump them up and then ran them into ruins or something, they're going to have a three up cover save for the turn that they're going to be shot at. And then the next turn, they can jump out of the ruins and then assault something. So that's pretty much what I changed in his list, and that's why I changed stuff in his list. I mean, I I would have never th like even considered the Dark Furies. Like that's nuts. Like that's a really cool choice and a really good option, especially. Can see when you start factoring in the rending and everything like that. They're getting tank hunters on top of the rending if they're in the deployment zone. It's just like it, it's a really solid unit that I've never considered like how good it would be with Dynat. So, well, and that and he's wanting to run tank hunter. So in order to fulfill coils of the Hydra, everything either has to have deep strike or be in a vehicle or be in a dedicated transport, more precisely. 
So yeah. the the veterans gain deep strike by going in the anvilus because you count as deep striking when you arrive. The he had the reavers originally with jump packs. I replaced them, so I needed another jump pack unit to replace the reavers with if I wanted to save some points. So I was thinking of what the reavers do. So I was like, what does what, he, what the Reavers are doing better that also has jump packs. So I was immediately like, well, Dark Furies. They get plus one initiative on the turn that they charge. They have rending, lightning, rending, mastercrafted lightning claws, um, which works well with the tank hunter. And, it, and it's going to save him a bunch of points. And they also have that rule on the turn they deep strike. They get uh, plus one. A five, just a standard five-up cover save on the turn that they land. And then I wanted to get rid of that command squads for some more um, scoring, so I just swapped him for the Seekers, which I think works better in his list and gives him even more anti-tank and then allows him to still get the Proteus in because they can take it dedicated. And seems like a cool Alpha Legion choice with the Seekers. Heck yeah. Seekers, like, you'd never see them. Like, uh, I... I, I immediately know what you're going to do with those seekers when you when you include them in the list because you never include them in any list <laughs> and oh, yeah. i was like seekers i was like what is he trying to do fucking proteus he's trying to get that proteus in that list so very cool man very cool it, it's a it's a really cool out like look into this list and i mean you just honestly from what i can tell you didn't change it up too much but you really did make it uh more efficient in points and you know, you cut a lot of the fat. You got rid of that command squad and everything like that. So, well, I changed. Oh, yeah, I got rid of. If you put here, here's the thing. We've talked about this a couple times. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings here. I've never seen a Vindicator Laser Destroyer do anything do other anything. than suck and die. Usually in that order, but sometimes in the reverse order. If you write me a list and you're asking for my opinion or want me to adjust your list and it has Vindicator Laser Destroyers in it, they're coming out. If you want to keep them in there. You need to put a stipulation when you write me the list. I 100% want you to leave this Vindicator Laser Destroyer in or it's coming the fuck out. And nine times out of ten, that goes for a command squad, too. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know outright. Cards on the table, boys. So. Other than that, everything looks good, man. Yep. Looks solid. Hopefully he can uh, make those adjustments in time before he tries to play test everything, or he could play test it with the models he has. Basically, just uh, use yep. those reavers as just just proxy him as dark furies. We good to go. Yeah. Well, real quick to talk about the Zyphon. So the Zyphon's got just stock standard two twin link las cannons, and then a two shot uh, missile launcher weapon that's strength eight AP two. That if you score a pin, you roll three d six and choose the highest. So it's actually extremely it's extremely good at just the dedicated killing one flyer at a time roll, like we've talked about, which is what he tried to deck this lightning out for, but the Zyphon, in my opinion, does it better. And then on top of that, like the way he's got this lightning set up, it just has the single twin link last cannon. The Zyphon has two. And then instead of the auto cannons, you're getting that rotary missile launcher. I just I just feel like it's a better it's just a better loadout personally for what he's trying to do with it yeah I it you can't argue i mean if you're going dedicated like the lightning's really good at blowing up a single tank like the glass cannon we actually talked about it the last episode 
But if right. you're looking for something dedicated to fly around and fucking destroy other flyers, the Xiphon is going to be a better choice if it's dedicated to do that. I mean, I that's if you're just going one on one, I still think that the Fire Raptor is technically a better anti air flyer. Not yeah. that it kills, not that it's necessarily better at like if you just want here's an enemy flyer, I want that one flyer dead. The Xiphon's probably better. The reason I like the Fire Raptor is because it can it's the only flyer that can fly on and make four other flyers jink or kill them. It's yeah. one flyer. So it's one flyer that can shut down multiple flyers where the Xiphon can only do one at a time. Possibility of killing four flyers in one turn. So Right. It's not as good as killing a single, but it has greater possibilities of killing multiple. Plus, it has the added ability of being better at killing infantry on the ground, and it's tougher. It, it's also a few more points. So it's like, it's all in what you want. In this particular list, he specifically said i want something to just kill enemy flyers and he had his flyer decked out for killing a single enemy flyer at a time so there's nothing better than that than a xiphon in my opinion for that particular role yeah yeah it's not bad not bad on points i can't go wrong can't go wrong and if he disagrees with me on that or just likes the lightning model or whatever, they're exactly the same points. They're interchangeable. They're both 205 points. The way he's got that one loaded out is 205. The Xiphon's 205. So you can just, they're perfectly swappable without changing anything. Oh, also this list that I wrote is 60 points shy. He actually has 60 more points to put something else in if he wants. So I just left that there. He can change war gear on whatever he wants to do or, you know, whatever. You could put... I didn't give the chap one invulnerable save. He could throw something like that on there. Um, you could, uh, I don't know, just do whatever. I, I that you could put more war gear on the rhinos. You know, just do different shit, whatever you want. You could buy um, uh, additional close combat weapons for all three tactical squads for twenty points a unit. Make them better. You know, more close combat attacks. There, I just didn't bother because I just, you know, it's just like here's sixty points do what you want with it type of thing. So just so he knows, it's only 1940 or whatever it is. Just have fun with it. <laughs> or 20, what did it, sorry, it's 2,500. It's, it's 2,939 is the actual points on the list because it was a th- supposed to be a 3,000 point list. Got it. All right. Tim, All right. I have horse Tim says, Monty, change camera to you. Can't. Can't do, yeah, that. can't do that. Oh, okay. Why? Why does Why? he say that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's monitoring yeah. the screen. Sorry, Tim. Can't do it. He says, oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What if this? Yeah, there you go. What is this? What are we doing? This is bootleg. What are we doing, Tim? What's going on? <laughs> Got what you wanted. Perfect. Just leave it like leave that. Leave it to the hillbillies. Leave it to the hillbillies to figure this out. Uh, so anyway. So next list we have. It's going to be... This list is a... 
2,500 point militia in Zinch demon list. And this actually comes from Brush with Destiny Studios. And Brush with Destiny Studios says, Hey lads, greetings from glorious Murder Island, Australia. I have a question for you guys and a list submission. The question, Lehman Russ and or tank variants versus Predator tank and or variants. Which do you prefer and why? So, Ryan, you want to go and answer that? And I'm going to go ahead and while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and add a camera on here so that you can stop making it bootleg. Because it's making me dizzy. Oh, sorry. I was just messing with Tim. Um. Here we go. So, I don't know. It really depends on what you're trying to do. Um, in 30K, I, in 40K, I, I like the Lehman Rust better. In 30K, I like the Predator better. The The Predator actually has some cool options in 30K. The fucking Plasma Predator is off the chain. The Plasma Executioner. I love it. If you play Blood Angels, uh, the Assault Cannon Predator is cool. The Dak of Pred, I like that. Even just the standard uh, auto cannon predator in 30 case, four shots instead of two, that makes a world of difference. Honestly, for 75 points, it's it's pretty cool. And I actually like the giant melted cannon on it. A lot of people don't run it, but it's it's like extremely funny, like in Head of the Gorgon. Like, ha ha, surprise butt sex. Here's this giant outflanking, <laughs> you know, melt the cannon. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, the Flamestorm cannon is also kind of funny, like outflanking or whatever. Or if you can... Uh, make it fast in uh, an armor breakthrough list or whatever. Uh, it's just fun. Like the predator just has a lot more cool variants than it does in um, 40 K. And then the fact that in an armored breakthrough list, you can make it scoring and fast opens up options for it even more. So I would say predator. And then there's other rights to war, like the dark angel one, you know, you can run them in a squadron and make them BS five or whatever. And then there's, there's a couple ways to like give them tank hunter and shit. I think the uh, oh, if you take a squadron and give them the tank commander or whatever, they can get tank hunter in the in the new red book. So they they just have a lot more options. The Lehman Russ is pretty much the same in 40k as it is in 30k. It's it's nothing real super special. Okay, so. What do you think? What do you like better? Lehman Russ. All day. Oh, so you're the reverse. Let's hear it. That's why. I like this uh, point counter. Yeah, it all comes down to model preference. <laughs> I'm like a huge fan of the Lehman Russ model. Like, I love oh, like, okay. the rise of pattern in Lehman Russ. Like, it's just like hands down my favorite, like one of my favorite models in the whole game. So I think that the Lehman Russ because you can also take the tank commander on everything, it really does also kind of change it up on what its possibilities are, even though, you know, of course the standard predator is going to be just as good with bliss skill and everything like that, but it does uh, kind of bring it into a a fair chance in the fight. But other than that, I mean, just I, I like the Lehman Russ as far as, as, far as how, how it looks. So that's where I'm at. So, anyway, so that was the question. Yeah. So, the list. It's a 2.5K warp cult list with allied demons. 
Uh, I was keen to limit remove completely the vehicle aspect to help tie into the screaming madman theme. Uh, so it looks like the HQ choice, he's taking a Force Commander, and that Force Commander took the Colt Horde, Tainted Flesh, and a Power Fist and Tainted Weapon. So he chose the Tainted Flesh and Colt Horde. What are they, provinces, right? Yep. So the Colt Horde, you always have to snap fire any gun you have. You can never do anything but snap fire. But your entire army gains Zealot, which is hatred and fearless on every model in your army. Totally worth it. All day. <laughs> and then um, you can upgrade your HQ choice to a demagogue, which gives him the demon special rule and preferred enemy. So demon gives him the five up and vulnerable save. And then obviously, you know what preferred enemy does. His preferred enemy loyalist. And then um, the tainted flesh uh, makes your entire army cause fear. Uh, well, anybody with the Providence rule which is pretty much your in this list it's his entire army that's militia so your entire army would cause fear um your entire army gets six plus feel no pain and your entire army has rending close combat attacks got it got it that's pretty fucking, that's brutal. Pretty fucking brutal yep so he took the force commander with cold horde tainted flesh then he took a rogue alpha psyker with a tainted weapon. Then he took a rogue psyker with a tainted weapon. Uh, then he took six troop slots worth of 20 levies. So 120 levies, all with pistols, vexilla, and frag grenades. Then in his elite choice, he has two out of four slots filled with 10 ogrins. Uh, in the both squads, there's eight power weapon ogrins, two boarding shield ogrins, and one of the ogrins... Like, I guess the bonehead, I don't know what they're called this time around, but the yeah. the commander dude has a, uh, has a carapace armor. Uh, then in his allied slot, his first HQ, he took a Lord of Change, Mastery Level 3, two greater rewards, one lesser reward. And then in his troop choice, he took 11 horrors with an instrument and an icon. Then in his heavy support choice, he took a Zinch Damon Prince, Mastery Level 3, Flight, Armor, two times greater reward, one times lesser reward. Uh, the first squad of Rogrins are modeled as a bunch of massively muscled bound mutants with various mining gear and assortment of power axes and mauls, while the second is going to be built out like but uh, a bunch of catafrons to represent hacked mining servitors, hence the Carapus Armor. The Ogrins are my anti-tank, armed primarily with power mauls, mining drills, with some axes scattered throughout to avoid getting bogged down by Terminators and the like. The Rogue Psychers go into these squads too, buffing them up a bit more. The Levies are screaming, beating hard of the Force. They're reasonable fra they're reasonably fragile, but they're rending Zealots with a plus one to combat res from the Vexillas. Normally, they'll just be running headlong into enemy infantry, relying on sheer weight of numbers to carry the day. The Lord of Ch Change and Demon Prince are my anti-air, using mine bullets and vector strikes to knock planes out of the sky. Being monstrous creatures, they're also obviously able to land and murder things as necessary. Uh, the horrors just roll around generating warp charges and being a nuisance whenever they can. Uh, to run a proper Centurion mode list, I dumped the Demon Prince for some extra levies, taking them into ma army maximum of 300 scumbags. I've also attached a fancy version of my list for your enjoyment. Stay cool and keep podcasting. 
Kind regards, Douglas, the or Aussie Doug. Oh, he made a cool little, uh, cool little book with his fluff and everything in there. Neato. So what all did you change, Ryan? I just made it fluffier. He's gonna like it. I it this all started because I looked down and saw the eleven horse, and I'm like, I see what you did there. You included the one extra guy to get the one extra fucking warp charge. That triggered me. And then I'm like, we got to fix this. We got to fix it. So, so I did. So I took his uh, Force Commander, which I switched over to a demagogue, just because you get it for free when you uh, take the the one uh, Providence. So it's a cult demagogue with tainted flesh, um, tainted flesh and uh, cult horde, power fist, tainted weapon. Iron Halo, Cyber Familiar. So you don't have to model him with like an act. You could, like, Zinch, classic, you know, has always been the classic one to have like familiars because they're wizards or whatever. So you don't have to make it a Cyber Familiar. You could make it like a weird, like, Zinch creature or whatever. And instead of like an actual Iron Halo being a device, just say like it's a magical ward save from Zinch or something like that. But that'll give him a three up invulnerable save, which makes him fairly tough. And the Power Fist Tainted Weapon is actually pretty cool because they're both specialist weapons. So you get the bonus attack. It's kind of like the Alpha Legion trick with the power dagger. So it makes him um, three base attacks, four on the charge instead of just three, which is kind of nice. Um, then I took the rogue psychers exactly how he had them. So one's an alpha psyker with a tainted weapon and one's just a rogue psyker with a tainted weapon. This is where it gets cool. So I have, what is it? Is it still six? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. So I still took his six levy squads, but I increased them to units of 36. So what's 36 divided by four? Nine. Nine. What's Zincha's sacred number? Nine. Nine. Boom. There you go. Fluffy as fuck. <laughs> um, and there's more guys. A unit of 36 rending fearless fucking psychopaths is just better than 20. Also fluffier. So for elites, instead of 10 ogrens, what do you think I did? Nine ogrens. Nine ogrens. Boom. Fluffy. Zinch's number. So we have two nine-man units of ogrens instead of two 10-man units. And then because they're already rending... I felt like you could get away not running eight fucking power weapons. Like, that's massively overkill. You just don't need that many. And on these ogrens, they're like 20 points apiece. They're super expensive. So what I did was gave four of them power weapons, which is more reasonable. Two of them, just an, an additional close combat weapon, just a generic. So they're still going to have the increased number of attacks, which are rending. They're just not going to be power weapons. And then three of the guys, boarding shields. So it's nine ogrens, two have additional close combat weapons, four have power weapons, three have boarding shields, and there's two units of that. Um, so that saved him points, plus lowering the ogren saved him points with the extra points I was able to fit in all the extra levies, and now he's got six units divisible by nine, and then the two nine-man ogren units, so it's fluffier. So for the Lord of Change, for the, his allies, it's uh, Psycho Mastery Level 3, one less reward, two greater reward, which I believe is exactly how he has it. Yep. And then for troops, I took 18 pink horrors, which 
gives him the extra dice that he wanted, but also makes him not look like a douchebag because he just bought the one extra one. Like, now it's 18, so he actually filled the unit out, plus it's divisible by 9, so it's fluffy as well. I didn't quite understand the instrument and the icon, because the icon is, it allows you to deep strike next to it without scattering. And then the instrument is when you deep strike, if if you roll for reserve and a unit with an instrument comes in from reserve, you can drag another unit in with you that's a demon unit. But I've never seen anybody with flying monstrous creatures not start them on the table. So, and the only other units he has are demons or flying monstrous creatures. So I assume that they're going to start on the table. So I wouldn't see where you would get any use out of the instrument and icon. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. If, especially, yeah. If if, especially if they're going to be Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would put those in reserve. I just, like, start them on the board and then immediately fly them. Like, you, I don't know. It's weird. So, anyway, then for heavy support, I have a Demon Prince with Psyker Mastery Level 3, two, one less reward, two greater rewards, Demonic Flight, and Warp Forged Armor, which I believe is the exact same loadout he has. So his Demon Prince, his Lord of Change is the same. I took the pink horrors from the douche number of 11 up to the cool number of 18 that's fluffier and makes you not look like a douche. Um, changed the Ogrens to 9, swapped around their war gear a little bit better, made all the levy squads bigger and better while also making them divisible by 9, which makes the list way cooler, and then left all of his uh, HQs the same except with the extra points made his demagogue uh, slightly better. Basically, just gave him the three up invulnerable save, and then left the rest the same. Okay. That's it. So, how would you so run the changes? Just like run, just like a crazy horde running forward, or? Well, it's th- what thirty six times six is what a lot. Hang on. Trying to kill that many fucking fearless guys. That are likely, I mean, that you're just going to run from piece of cover to piece of cover. I mean, a lot of those guys are going to get cover saves if you don't shoot the closest one, the ones behind them. So that's 216 fearless guys. And then you're going to have the horrors and the two flying princes, which he could go demonology with if he wanted and just summon more pink horrors. That then when you kill pink horrors, split into blue horrors. That then when you kill those, turn into brimstone horrors. And then... Uh, then you got the other psychers that could also go demonology, the alpha psyker and the other one, and some even more guys and more horrors that do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. And you can just actually just hide them amongst your uh, amongst your rank and files. <laughs> just... Yep, your big levies. And then you got the ogre. I forgot about the ogrens. The ogrens are three wounds per guy times nine, so it's 27, two 27 wound units that are fearless. That have six up, feel no tough five with six up, feel no pain. Oh, also, both Ogren units in my list have Carapace armor. Forgot about that. So he only had one unit with Carapace armor. I had enough points to make both of them with Carapace armor by changing some of the work room. And it's still like when those Ogrens hit something, he he went from ten to nine, but and he went from eight power weapons to four. But the other guys still have additional. It's just going to be. It, it's going to the eight power weapons. I just felt like was overkill personally like you're going to be fine like they already have rending already so by buying the power weapons you know just doing the four and then the then the other 
five guys still have reigning attacks. I just didn't feel like you needed all those power weapons. And it, it saved him enough, a ton of points. So instead of having all that loaded in that one unit, it allows you to increase six other units, unit size, by 16 models. So six other units got 16 bigger just by cutting some power weapons out and losing two ogrens. Yeah, and then, totally worth it. So think, think about how many rending attacks. So that's three attacks per guy, and he gained... Let's see. So... 16 times 6 times 3. So he gained 288 rending attacks by dropping two ogrens and some power weapons. Can't beat it. Solid. Another whole little uh, trim the fat list. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And That's you a made brutal it fluffy list. as fuck. Yeah, it's way fluffier too. Better and fluffier. That's what we do here. That's how it works. So. That would be okay. evil. If he went full demon summoning, that's like a major fuck you. Like, in an objective game, good luck killing all that shit. Like, it's one of those things, like, you could just summon all the shit on objectives while just pushing forward those fucking horde guys. And even, like, some crazy, like, you. the other guy may kill more of your shit and do all this stuff, but fuck, man. Trying to remove all that and try to beat that on an objective, that'd be a goddamn nightmare. Just imagine, like, some poor custodes player trying to play against that ridiculous like, army. Yeah. yeah. Just militia is through. A, I feel like Militia is the strongest counter to Custodes. It really is. It's easily the strongest counter to Custodes. Just sheer weight. Because it's like, okay, well, every model in your army is a fucking Praetor, basically. So if I spend 20 to 40 points on these models, you're still just going to kill, like, five guys for every one guy you have. So I might as well only spend two, guy, two points on my models. So you're still killing the same number of guys, but you've killed... 12 points in models as opposed to 300 points in models. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's, uh, <laughs> it's not very efficient. That's a expensive, uh, swing of the, or actually, yeah, uh, it's cheap. Like you're not getting, yeah, it's expensive to kill one dude, I guess. Yeah. Like each, uh, each a kill becomes, way too many too little points because what yeah. is that like with the militia you're what like two points each they're two points per guy yeah so that's just so like every swing that you take you're getting two points back if you kill them so each you'd have to kill each every cut a basic bitch custode is 55 points so a basic bitch custode would have to kill <laughs> what 26 guys 26 dudes to take care 20, of 20 well 20 let's see 27 guys. <laughs> to get that sucks so bad. Like that's that's like that's the best way to do it. It's like you, if you want your points back, you're going to have to wipe out this entire squad with one custode and then you got to do that in five turns and on top of that, you got to kill two extra guys from this squad over here. Yeah, that's brutal. There's just no way to make your points back at that point with other stuff taking care of you. So, cool list, man. I dig it. Should be interesting to see how people react against the uh, Lord of Change, but I think it'll be all right. 
It's not Kara's Fate Weaver, at least. Or Bellacore. For real. So that's all we have for lists. Uh, that's going to be it. I just have some event shout-outs we're going to do. We're actually going to take a musical break, and then I'll come back and I'll do the event shout-outs and get them all going. But, uh, Ryan, do you have anything you want to add? No, man. We talked a little earlier. I did want to shout out. I found this Mantic Terrain. I shared it with the RFI guys. Like, we're not, this isn't like an official fucking sponsor or anything like that. Um, we just cool. got a, like, we just got, e- we get a lot of emails all the time, like shit we mentioned on the show. Like, we get uh, messages about that magnetic applicator thing all the time from Corsac Engineering or. Just like random shit like we've talked about on past episodes where people are like, hey, what was that product again? Like this and that, like weird things we talk about. So I'm going to try, if I remember, on each show, like talk about something that I just think is cool that's maybe hobby-related, maybe not, that you guys should look into. So for those of you who aren't, like there's a game company called Mantic, which is kind of like the, it's a, let's just be honest, they're bootleg games workshop. But they're, they're pro- they, they actually put out some pretty good products, and um, I actually like the game that... The reason I know about them is I really enjoy their game, Kings of War. Um, it, it's a game that I actually play, and I converted all my old Warhammer Fantasy models over to Kings of War, and I really, really enjoy that rule set. So if you like... For one, if you like fantasy, like that style of game, like a fantasy game where you actually play with blocks of infantry and stuff, like old fantasy... Um, you can buy the Kings of War rulebook for like $25 and it has like all the army lists and the rules in it. So you get all in one. It's not like they have individual codexes. So you get all the army lists and the rules for like 25 bucks and you can use all the old Warhammer fantasy models you had and just play immediately. It's, it's actually a really cool rule set and I really enjoy that game. But what I brought this up for was their terrain. So regardless of whether you play any of their games or not, they have some super badass terrain sets my favorite that they sell is the industrial line. They have like, they're kind of like the GW buildings when you buy like the Manifactorum or you buy whatever the other ones are where you can build like one building. They have like uh, fortification ones and then they have industrial ones and then they have ruined ones. And they're very similar to the GW line, only it's in the Mantic style. The industrial ones are my favorite. They have the industrial sector, which is like six of their individual building kits put in one box. And then the big one that they have, that's like the most insane terrain value there. It's super, super good value for what you get. And it's a really awesome terrain is the industrial quadrant. So if you guys go to Manny's website and uh, look up the industrial sector, industrial quadrant, the quadrants like, it's basically the equivalent of buying like 13 or 14 individual games workshop buildings, but you get it all in one box set. And I think it's like 140 or 150 us and you get a bunch of scatter terrain and shit with it. Like it's enough terrain to do like a four by four board on its own. If you split it all up, like it's, it's really good stuff. Um, and it looks nice. And the other one they have, they have, so all of these, like I said, I brought up the, um, I forget what the other one, it's called like war zone terrain or something. It's, it's like this industrial stuff, but it looks more like a military fortification. But the other one I really like is the ruined building. So they have like 
this industrial set and then the other set that I can't remember the name of in a, like a ruined version where it's like the walls are broken with like rebar and shit sticking out of them. And they sell it the same way. You can buy individual kits or you can buy the sector, which is like six of the individual kit, or you can buy the quadrant, which is like 12 of the individual kit plus extra shit. But anyway, check that out if you're looking for some cheap terrain. I know that uh, Eye of Horus is doing that Citizen Soldier program. This is You can buy like $150 box and like have enough terrain to do like a whole table. You can get you a mat and one of these boxes. That's like, you're going to have some pretty badass terrain just from one box. It's pretty nice. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to let everybody know about that. Good little service announcement little there, service man. Announcement there. And you could be a citizen soldier for the citizen soldier program. So, yeah. So Mantic games, go check them out. Stuff looks badass. So that's all I got for this episode, man. Like I said, I'm going to take a quick break. Let you listen to some sweet music, and then we'll come back for some event shoutouts. So, y'all have a good one, guys. Later, guys.
All right, guys. Uh, appreciate your patience with that little musical break. Uh, we have some events that we wanted to go ahead and announce. Uh, and we wanted to, if you have some events and you would like them announced on here, uh, go ahead and send them to Ryan at Warhammer30k.com and Michael at Warhammer30k.com. And we will go ahead and uh, get them announced. But uh, for right now, we got four events going on in the United States. Uh, so the first event we're going to go ahead and talk about is going to be the Nova Open. Uh, that's going to be September 1st to the 3rd. Uh, I do know that Saturday is going to be the Horus Heresy Escalation Campaign. Uh, there's actually a whole number of events going on at Nova. They've got the Escalation Campaign. they got the Big Blam. they got the Night Spearhead. they got the Opening Salvo Campaign, and then they actually have like a Team Campaign. And if you're like Ryan, you can also get into a number of different painting classes uh, at the at the Nova Open and have a good time there. It's run by our buddies, the Grang Legion. They ran the uh, Adepticon Horse Heresy track. Some super awesome guys. They know exactly what they're doing. They have some sick-ass terrain. So expect to have a good time over there. Once again, that's September 1st to the 3rd. Uh, tickets are on sale now. All we have to do is go to Nova Open dot com forward slash warhammer hyphen 30,000 uh so the next event we wanted to go ahead and shout out was going to be texacon so if you're in the texas area this one's going to be good for you it's july 7th to the 9th uh it's going to be at the hearst conference center that's a 1501 campus drive uh it's a horse heresy narrative track battle of the infinite abyss prevented by presented by the lone star legion those guys up in dallas uh this is going to be a campaign narrative based event uh looks like the schedule looks like friday 6 to 10 looks like they've got saturday 9 to 7 and sunday 11 to 3 uh looks like the main horse heresy narrative 30 players is what they got to capped off at uh that's going to be on that saturday uh the first day that's that friday is going to be uh squad based games capped off at 16 players and then that sunday is going to be Blackguard One Prime, a GM GM moderated 30k squad activity. So 16 players. So looks like the main day is going to be that Saturday, but still going to have a good time. And so that is the Texacon. That's going to be going on in Texacon, the Texas convention. Uh, Next up on the list, we have the TNT Grand Tournament. Uh, This one's a little bit more still in the works right now, but the TNT Grand Tournament is going to be May 19th, 20th, and the 21st. Uh, It's going to be at the Best Western Sunrise Inn and Code TNT. And it's going to be a 30K track. It's going to be run by David Sanson, everybody over there at Black Label Painting, and uh, Joe. Both of them should put on a good event. I know it's still in the work right now, but uh, definitely if you're in the uh, Tennessee area, Give that a uh, give that a check out, and then the last event we wanted to shout out was going to be the invasion of Carolina. This is going to be a Carolina Heresy narrative event, and so this is going on August nineteenth at the Cruise Road Recreation Center, and it is a it looks like a narrative event. It's the latest event in the campaign for Carolina. This is a loyalist versus traitor event, and the scenarios will affect our ongoing campaign. All participants require a 2,500-point Horus Heresy Army list and a 1,000-point Zomortalis list. Uh, so it looks like it's a solid day of gaming, a solid day of event. It's going to be August 19th. Admission for the event is $20. and includes lunch, beverages, and snacks, as well as goes for prizes. They do not make a profit on the event, and they wanted to make sure you know that. 
So that's all the events I have to shout out, guys. Like I said, if you have an event, go ahead and type it out. Uh, we do like to tell everybody that if you leave us a voicemail at 209-RFI-30K0 with your event shout-out, it's going to be the easiest way because it'll be right in the middle of the voicemails and everybody can hear you guaranteed to get played. So, so check that out and you guys have a good one. <laughs>